Good morning. As you know, this is the year of starting on time. So I have uh, at least six commissioners up here and I'm gonna get this meeting called to order. The meeting for December the 6th, 2016 is now called to order. We would like the pledge led by our commissioner, Yuding. It is customary in this commission that we honor those who serve here and abroad in our armed forces, and we also um, take time to honor those who we may have lost who were uh, involved in our community. Commissioners, is there anyone that you would like to honor today? Commissioner Udeen. Ms. Henry. I think it's um, uh, befitting at this point that we uh, honor John Stunson. If you, uh, many of you know that John served as the city manager for the city of Oakland Park, but he had other city manager stints with other uh, cities in our community. But John was a consummate uh, professional, and I can always count on him to tell it straight. And so he's going to be sorely missed by clearly all of the managers in Broward County, but uh, many of you as well. Thank you. We'll now have a moment. Thank you. You may now be seated. There was. No, no, what happened is, um, our audio department uh, advised me that our promptness to start at 10 o'clock was leaving some of our viewers out there on Comcast in the dark for a few minutes. So I have to start at 10.02, but that is no excuse for you to be late. It is still the year of promptness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. 10.02 is now 10 o'clock according to Comcast. Just a handful. Okay, so before we move into the agenda, I would like to start with the Broward Means Business Moment by first recognizing a business um, that is in my commission district. It's called Blue Shield Protective Services. Would the representatives of Blue Shield Protective Services please join me at the podium now? Thank you, Mr. Gordon, for being here. This proclamation was requested on behalf of Blue Shield Protective Services by me. 
and it reads, whereas Blue Shield Protective Services is a Miramar, Florida-based business providing investigative and security services to individuals and businesses in South Florida with five employees since 2015. And whereas Blue Shield Protective Services is, a, is certified in Broward County's local small business programs, County Business Enterprise, CBE, and Small Business Enterprise, SBE, and whereas Blue Shield Protective Services was formed by Derek R. Gordon, a retired Miami-Dade Schools investigator with 21 years of experience, and whereas Blue Shield Protective Services specializes in criminal, civil, workers' compensation, and fidelity investigations, and whereas Blue Shield Protective Services employs experienced investigators and security guards who are hand-picked, including former police, corrections officers, and the U.S. Military Service. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the Board hereby designates Tuesday, December the 6th, 2016, as Broward Means Business, Blue Shield Protective Services Day in Broward County, Florida. Okay, congratulations again. We know that small business drives the economy and this year we are going to focus on those businesses that provide jobs in our local communities. Thank you again for coming. Public participation reminders. For those of you in the audience, please turn off or silence your cell phones now. Any member of the audience who wishes to be heard on a commission item, you must um, furnish a speaker form to the staff located on the dais to my right. If you do not sign up before the item is called, you will not be allowed to speak. We ask that when you speak on an item that it relates to the agenda item that you're speaking to. We ask that when you're called upon, you'll have two to three minutes to speak depending on how many speakers that there are. We ask that you keep your comments brief into the item being discussed. No um, refrain from impertinent remarks, slanderous remarks or personal attacks. If you fail to do so, your microphone will be cut off and you'll be sorted out by security or law enforcement. We ask for those of you in the audience that you respect the views of others that are speaking today. As such, we do not allow any applause, no cheering, no booing or catcalls during or after speaker's comments. If you like and you're in agreement, you can wave. You can do spirit fingers, but make no noise. Okay, we're now gonna read the Tuesday morning memo. I need a Tuesday morning memo. Thank you. The following requests are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are one through 25. I request the following withdrawals and Scrivener error corrections and inclusion of the additional information. Withdrawals and deferrals are none. 
Scrivener's errors. On item number eight, there's a summary explanation background. Second path currently reads primary care service levels at cost of $843,457 to approximately 114,867 medical encounters. It should read primary care services levels at a cost of $2,584,693. To approximately 119,911 medical encounters. Num item number 12 should have districts 1, 3, and 9 listed at the end of the motion. The uh, request without objection that items number 27, 28, 29, 30, 34, 38, and 39 be moved to consent. Item number 40, Commissioner Holness requests to be a co sponsor. There is additional material. Item number 14 has a replacement exhibit number two submitted by Environmental Protection and Growth Management. Item number 14, paren two related draft legislation and backup materials submitted by Commissioner Beam Fur. Item number 28 and 33, a memo to the board from the Office of the County Auditor. Item number 37, a letter to the board and county administrator from Humana submitted by Mayor Barbara Sharif. Okay, at this time, I'm going to start from the right. Are there any polls? Commissioner Geller? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Holness? Commissioner Lamarca? Commissioner Furr, Vice Mayor Furr. 14, and I'd like to keep 39 on uh, regular agenda. Okay, got it. <coughs> Commissioner Ryan. Item 39. Commissioner Bogan. None. Commissioner Rich. None. Commissioner Udine. Item 31. Okay, so at this time, yes. Commissioner Rich, um, I'm sorry. I do need to uh, uh, poll seven. Seven. Yeah, I'm sorry. Got it. Madam Mayor. Yes. I would like to um, advise the board that items 28 and 33 are um, um, related. And uh, since 28 has been moved to consent, 33 should um, be, moved to be deferred. If, if 28 passes, 33 becomes a deferred item, just for recognition for purposes of that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So at this time, I have audience polls on item number eight. I have an audience poll on 20, okay, I have 28, 33, 37. So we're good there. All right. Seven. And seven. No, you, you pulled yeah, seven. seven. Okay, so we're Madam, good. Madam Mayor, yes. you have a speaker's card for number 28. I did. Okay. I said 28. Thank you. Right. Okay. It's 8, 28, 14, 7, 17, 
18, 31, and 39 is going to stay on regular. And if you approve item number 28, then 33 would be deferred. Okay, can I have a motion? So moved. Second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed, let the record show that that consent agenda passes unanimously as amended. Okay, at this time, the first item that was pulled is item number seven, Commissioner Rich. Thank you, uh, Madam Mayor. Um, I recently was elected vice chair of the Broward Behavioral Health Coalition Board of Directors. Uh, I am not prohibited from voting under Section 112.3143 Florida statutes, which addresses voting conflicts. However, because the item would directly benefit the Broward Behavioral Health Coalition, I am abstaining from voting to avoid even the appearance of a conflict. Because it is not an actual conflict, I will remain on the dais, but I will not participate in the item's discussion. I ask that the minutes of the meeting reflect that I have abstained from voting on this item. Thank you. Do I have a motion? Do I have a second? Second. All in favor of item 7, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. The next item on agenda is item number 8. At this time, I have eight speakers signed up. You'll each be permitted two minutes to speak. The first speaker um, is Dorsey Miller, followed by Mr. Derek Hughes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Madam Mayor and Commissioners. I'm Dorsey Miller from the City of Parkland, and I'm here this morning because I am adhering to the words of Edmund Burke, who said many, many years ago that all it takes for evil to triumph in this country is for good men to say nothing. I'm not here to oppose the awarding of a primary care grant to health care grant to the North Broward Hospital District, but I'm here asking you to, to defer the awarding of this grant at least until January. And my reason for doing so is because the district presently seemingly is in administrative disarray. Last week, the board, in an apparent uh, illegal meeting, met the board of directors at the North Broad Hospital District, met and, and, uh, and fired the, the CEO, which, my, in my opinion, was an illegal act because it was conducted through doing an uh, illegal meeting. Twelve years ago, I served as chairman of the North Broad Hospital District Board of Directors. And I know the importance of this grant, but we would send a real solid message to that board, letting them know that the actions that they have taken to throw this district into disarray is not the proper action to take. By approving this uh, grant at this particular time, you would be condoning their actions. Good men, men of goodwill and women of goodwill who sit at this dais, I'm sure, are committed to doing the right thing, not only for uh, the district, but for our community. And so the right thing for you to do, in my opinion, is to defer this item. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next speaker, Mr. Derek Hughes. Dr. Derek Hughes. 
Thank you, Madam Mayor and Commissioner. I am Jerry Hughes. I am a resident of Lauder Hill and pastor of First Baptist Church, Piney Grove in Lauderdale Lakes, the oldest Baptist church in Fort Lauderdale. I, too, want to ask that you would uh, defer uh, the passing of this bill, certainly uh, as a pastor. I am clearly in favor of uh, support of the bill of engineered care. But as we look at the recent events uh, that happened with the removal of the CEO of the Broward Health Organization, that says that there is something wrong in the area of term of administration. And to continue on with this bill, to give them $8.5 million, um, I think it will be improper for the commission to do so at this time. Let us go back. Let's get an understanding. Let's have pro proper protocol in uh, the firing and find out what is going on, how we ought to proceed. Let's send the message that we don't like what's going on. I do not like what's going on. The parishioners of First Baptist Church, Piney Grove, a congregation of over 4,000 members, do not like what's going on. And I'm asking you for your uh, support in deferring this bill. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next speaker is Arif Shad, followed by Gwendolyn Clark Reed. Good morning, Madam Mayor, Commissioners. My name is Arif Shad. I'm a resident of Plantation. I don't represent any organization. I was a patient of this hospital. The hospital have treated me excellent, excellent, excellent. I have no complaint against any of the employer staff. However, looking what I know, the termination of the CEO's position, Ms. Shirley, I will say that the young lady need her job back and repoint her back to the position where she wasn't doing a good job. I had an open heart surgery, quadruple bypass. If I was in a West Side Memorial Hospital, today I wouldn't be standing here and talking to you, to all of you. It was a Broward Hospital who put me back together, treated me like I was part of their family. So if there's anything you folks can do for this hospital, I'll be grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker is Gwendolyn Clark Reed, followed by Senator Perry Thurston. Thank you, Mayor and Vice Mayor and Commissioners and other members of the dais. This morning I'm here to ask you to defer at this time the awarding of the grant to primary care. For several months now I have been attending those hospital district meetings and meeting after meeting nothing gets done Everything is, seems to be in disarray, and at this time, I think that we need to consider the patients who are at, at that hospital as well as the employees. The uh, understanding that I have is that the person who was now the CEO was the person that was formally let go because of his inability to deal with the problems as well as the relationship that he had with the employees. So uh, having brought that person back to that position, I do not understand that. And the community is very much up in arms about what has happened with the removal of the CEO at the hospital district. It is important, remember, those are your constituents out there also 
who are served by the hospital district. And so you need to have, although you may be the county commission, you still need to have some input into what is going on in Broward County with the hospital district. You know that we have two districts and they're taxing entities and there are public dollars involved here. So I would like to ask you at this time to please defer this grant and uh, let's work together to get that hospital district back where it needs to be and for the people of Broward County. Thank you. Thank you. Senator Perry Thurston. Good morning, Madam <laughs> Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners. Good morning. It's good to see you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, speak to you here today with regards to some of the, um, the vital services that the uh, hospital district provides for some of the most vulnerable citizens in our community. We certainly, certainly know that the uh, district needs every bit of the finances that you're allocating to them uh, because it's a real need. It's not something that we're just here to talk about. We know that there's a real need out there. But I, too, come here to ask you to defer awarding this uh, at least until January specifically because along with the uh, funds that you're providing to them, which is a major resource, certainly I know that you want to see them be accountable for that. So I come here to ask you to join us in wanting accountability, wanting due process, wanting them to understand that their fiduciary duty is to the patients, the end users of their services, and not to Tallahassee or who appoints them to the board. They represent... My district is District 33, and certainly there are many people in my district who utilize the services of this hospital district. So, yes, we do want them to receive the Synergy Care Funds because it's very important. However, as uh, Representative Clark Reed has indicated, uh, over the last year or so, we've been to no less than three meetings where they seem to uh, not want to follow their own procedures, where they seem to not want to take the advice of the professionals that advise them. We've been to meetings about the accounting firms that they hire. We've been to meetings about all types of issues that are coming up. This last straw, we think, is a, a, a one that breaks the camel back to Santa, that brings us here before you. Now, my colleagues will be at that December 14th meeting before the district, which I think is our true person, uh, entity that we want to speak to, but most of them are in Tallahassee today. Thank but you. You're done. Your time is up. And we want to thank you, and thank you for your consideration. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I did. I gave him a, He kept going. I, you got the bell. <laughs> You guys. Mayor, I'd, ha I'd be happy to give him my time. I did. I gave him an extra 30 seconds. Come on, guys. I'm trying to be fair. You know what? I, I do love you, and I am going to ask Mrs. Jasmine Shirley to continue your plight. And, and, and thank you. I thank you. I think I got out everything I need. You got it. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Jasmine Shirley. Good morning, commissioners. My name is Jasmine Shirley. I'm the senior vice president of Broward Health Community Health Services. That particular division, as you may know, provides the delivery of primary health care services to very low and low to moderate income individuals, all of whom are uninsured and the most vulnerable 
in our, within our populations being served throughout the northern two-thirds of Broward County. I do understand the sentiments that have been raised by many throughout Broward County, uh, most particularly those that I've heard this morning. However, as a VP, Senior VP of Community Health Services, we have continued to provide good quality primary care services throughout Broward Health in the northern two-thirds from 14 different sites. We've continued to provide those services from October. September 30th, our last contract expired, and in good faith, we've continued to provide those services. We will continue to do so, but I, I do not recommend deferring uh, the action that I came specifically here today thinking that that was going to be a part of your consent agenda. This is a difficult time, true enough, but under my leadership at Broward Health, Community Health Services, we are doing what we are supposed to do, and that is taking care of the most vulnerable citizens, your constituency, throughout the northern two-thirds of Broward County. And I ask that you do allow for the award to take place, that we receive the compensation that is due. We've continued to, to provide those services since October, and we have been uncompensated for them thus far. Thank you very much. I'm here to answer any questions that anyone has regarding this funding contractual agreement. Thank you, Ms. Shirley. And prior, um, if, if you're concluded, I'm going to ask if you can stay in the front just in case we have questions. Sure, my pleasure. And then also, uh, before we get discussion started back on this dais, I really want to reiterate to those who are watching on the, on, in the public that this is an item that is not related to what the first right. um, five speakers spoke about. This is an item that is related for the purpose of fun funding and providing primary care services to qualified low-income persons authorizing the county administrator to execute amendments to the um, agreement subject to the approval of the same by the Office of the County Attorney. So we just need to clarify that because I, I don't want the people who are watching out there to think that this is the item that um, the previous speakers were talking about. Right. Out of deference to them, I've allowed that type of um, you know, testimony, but we, we need to know what this item's about. So with that being said, back to this day is for discussion. I'm gonna start a queue. Commissioner Rich, followed by Commissioner Holness, Geller, then Lamarca. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, thank you, uh, all of you who Beam. have come here today, and especially, uh, Ms. Shirley, um, I think um, it would be the wrong thing not to pass this uh, motion today to approve these funds. Um, as was just mentioned, uh, this is something entirely different. This is money that goes to provide primary care services for low-income people, and it's something that North Broward Hospital District does extremely well. Personally, I don't think uh, Ms. Grant is not here today but I don't think she would approve of us not passing this because she actually is the one that worked with our staff to make sure that this happened with some recalcitrance that was there uh, at North Broward Hospital District. So in essence, uh, we would actually be going against what she worked hard <coughs> to make sure North Broward Hospital District uh, was able uh, to do. Um, I think we do have to consider the patients and that's what uh, this would be doing uh, if we pass this today. 
Um, these are, um, as was mentioned, very vulnerable people. Uh, the, the Scribner's error, it, now that you can see, it's approximately 119,911 medical encounters. We should not put those people in jeopardy. So I would urge my colleagues to uh, go ahead and approve this motion. Thank you. Thank you. Next person in queue is Commissioner Holness. Yes, though this item is not a in direct correlation with the termination of the CEO of Broad Health, someone who had served many years with distinction. Uh, and uh, I know she did a great deal of work to get us to where we are with this agreement. Uh, Ms. Henry, in terms of our dealings with North Broad, which I know have been nuanced for some time, once uh, Ms. Grant got in place, did we see uh, better cooperation and, 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 and a better environment to get things done? Uh, we certainly did. Uh, the, as you know, we, we work very closely with both hospital districts. And over the years, um, there have been a number of initiatives that um, uh, worked for both, um, both parties. Um, there were a few things that were stymied um, for a little while on the North Broward Hospital side. Um, and um, we've obviously had to work through, my staff and I have worked through those issues. And Ms. Grant has been um, very instrumental in making sure things move um, in, the, in the positive direction. Okay, so, so we're at a place where we have a taxpayer-funded entity, funded in great part, almost totally, by the people of Broward County through your property taxes. Yet, this entity is run with not much input from the folks in Broward County in terms of determining who runs this organization. And, and I'm wondering whether or not there might even be a deliberate effort to disrupt this entity to the point where it becomes so chaotic that it's restructured in a way that is not necessarily in the best interest of the people of Broad County. And, and, and this has been going on for a little while uh, with, with this board. And I know Senator Thurston is here, and, and I'd have a question for him, whether or not he will seek some way through the legislature to ensure that the people have a more direct voice, the people of Broward County, in terms of having some board input or decision as to who gets on the board. Uh, Senator, would you be kind enough? Well, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Commissioner. I, I think that uh, since some of your colleagues uh, have served in the capacity that I'm going to serve as the next senator for District 33, they clearly understand that, you know, as I alluded to earlier, we, we talked about the fiduciary duty of this board to the residents of Broward County. You're right on point when you say that as a commissioner, you don't appoint the members of that board. The members of that board are appointed by the governor. And therein lies the issue, uh, whether they are loyal to the, uh, uh, the 
end recipients of their services or to whoever's appointing them to, to serve on the commission. Uh, the issue as to uh, whether there's some underlying motive, we certainly can't address the motive, uh, but, but we have been concerned for a while about the uh, chaotic nature of the running of the board. The services, the gentleman who spoke about the services he received and Ms. Shirley, who spoke about the, the uh, service that they provide, I think she's right on point with that. And then Commissioner, uh, uh, that fact that the service is needed and they're doing that, but there is a concern about the board, uh, in essence, devaluating, it, devaluing the asset for some ulterior motive. And we do have to continue to uh, look into that. We will be monitoring that. When we go to Tallahassee, as I say, my colleagues in the House, they're up there now addressing that. But are they going to be able to say, well, let's have more input from our county commission in selecting of those uh, uh, appointees? I, I don't think so. I think they're, you know, to the victor goes the spoils. And, and uh, Senator, it may not be directly this commission uh, or the county commission that makes that appointment, but some mechanism in place to have a, a board that is more independent uh, and, and that uh, is more in tune with the needs of the taxpayers of Broad County who fund it and the people who receive service there. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I understand what you're saying. Maybe I know that you all are aware that we have a constitutional revision commission that's getting ready to take form, and maybe those are some things that they will be able to address. But, but the way it's structured right now and the way that I think that uh, it's going to be structured for a while, uh, Commissioner Ryan, is that the governor will be making those appointments. And uh, what we have to do... I believe is what the community is here today for is to say, well, you all provide funding to them. Let them know we want them to be accountable. Let them know we want due process and let them know we want them to recognize who their fiduciary uh, responsibility is with. Thank you, Senator. Uh, Ms. Henry, this is not the only agreement we have with Broad Health, right? Do, do we have any idea what is our total uh, spend uh, with them? No, I, um, I don't. I can get that information uh, shortly. Um, I, obviously, I am definitely aware of this agreement, and if there's some other agreements, I'll have to uh, work with staff to get you that information. And, and, and I know that you work diligently, and our staff work diligently to put this agreement together. Uh, and I hear my fellow commissioner uh, Commissioner Rich, plea that we go through with this and, and Ms. Shirley's. Uh, but will there be any harm done uh, to Ms. Shirley and, and to our county administrator if we were to delay this just for a short time, maybe at minimum to our next meeting? I think that question really needs to be asked of the hospital district. Um, at this point, um, the agreement is for the services um, that um, that are currently being provided. Um, in the past, they have um, provided services without an agreement. Um, how long they will continue to do this, uh, I don't know. Um, one of the uh, first uh, initiatives of Ms. Grant was to bring to closure the prior year's um, 
uh, agreement. It had been outstanding for a, a while, and she did bring that to closure and expedite it, making sure that this agreement for the new fiscal year was presented generally in a timely fashion. So I think that question really has to be asked of the district if they would be, whether or not they would continue to f provide those services while these discussions are taking place. Let me ask, the previous agreement, how long did it take for us to finalize those agreements? Oh, I would say probably eight months, seven, eight months. It's been a while. Seven, eight months. So for seven, eight months, we didn't have an agreement. The service was being rendered. And there was really no harm. Uh, again, um, um, that those questions should be directed to the hospital district if they continue to provide the service with an understanding that um, they will be paid because the county does pay then um, there should be no harm but if they decide that for whatever reason they're not able to or choose not to then there could be some issues to the extent you can answer Ms. Shirley I'm not aware of the seven to eight months um, or the discussions that Ms. Henry has had with Ms. Grant. I do know that for the past contract term, which ended September 30th, uh, we have been in compliance with all of our reports. We have provided the services as directed and in accordance with the agreement. Uh, we continue to do so even post the expiration of the September 30th past contract. We were worked together very comfortably, very confident in our negotiations for this upcoming contract, which would be which would have become effective retroactively back to October first. Uh, there are several other agreements that we do have with county government, um, in addition to the primary care funding. Um, however, I and my team expected that today we would have had closure for this new upcoming agreement, which is retroactive back to October 1. We have continued to provide those services October and November without a contract in place. How long that can continue, I would have to get back with our interim CEO, Mr. Kevin Fusco, and our interim CFO, Mr. Art Wallace, and get back to you with that date. Thank you very much. Uh, Commissioner, I just want to clarify, um, my comments were not meant to indicate that we were in any way, shape, or form dissatisfied with the services that were being provided. Understood. Uh, um, and they, um, and, and as Ms. Shirley indicated, they provided the information that we needed and they're in compliance. So that's, that's not, that was not my intent if that, um, Ms. Shirley, if that came across, that was not my intent. Okay. The facts still remain that we've had an extended period of time over the years where there were no agree signed agreement in place and the service was still rendered, people still get served, and no harm was done. So I don't believe, colleagues, that delaying for a couple of weeks will cause any major harm. Broward County pays its bills. We always do. That's why we have such a strong credit rating, better than the state. So for us to delay this for a short period of time, for the community to basically weigh in, this is our statement, 
This will be our statement to Broward Health's board that they ought to get the house of the people for the hospital district in order. There's no other statement that we can make at this point in time. Thank you. And I'll, I'll, I'd like to come back uh, at the end for a motion. Thanks. The next person in queue is Commissioner Geller. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, thank you, Madam Mayor. The, um, my comments will be very brief. I'm only commenting because there are so many distinguished community leaders and elected officials here speaking, and I think that they deserve the uh, respect that they are due. Um, I'm going to listen to the debate. I, I, Ms. Shirley, I saw you shaking your head no um, during some of the remarks that my colleague was just making. The concern that I heard Senator Rich make is one that I share, and I think that all of us share. I don't think any of us want to see services disrupted. Now, I'm sympathetic. Uh, I, I personally have concerns about what I've been reading about the North Broward Hospital District, but of course, I've done no investigation. I'm relying on what I've read in the mass media and therefore can't really give an educated opinion right now. But I do share, I certainly have concerns uh, as to the way things have been going. I don't think I would object if there was a one-week delay or something of that nature. But I am concerned, and I think all of us are concerned, as to whether or not postponing payment through, I heard, January would put services at risk. Nobody wants to put services at risk. And again, I'm not sure that we are the correct body to be addressing the issues involving the North Broward Hospital District. Can you, the, your last answer was you weren't sure, but again, I did see you sort of shaking your head no while Commissioner Honus was speaking. So can you, do you know whether or not a delay through, for example, January would potentially put services at risk? I think none of I think we can all agree none of us want to see that occur. Yes, thank you for the opportunity to, to respond. My shaking of my head, no, I need to probably work better on my um, body language. <laughs> <laughs> what I was saying no to was to clear up what must be a misunderstanding. The contractual agreement is for a year's time, beginning October 1 through September 30th. That agreement also has the right to exercise an option for renewal for a second year. We have been under contract with Broward County for that length of time. So I'm not sure about seven to eight months of not being under an agreement. We, we had been under an agreement for the past two years. That, and, and all of those years subsequent to that since 1993. This past agreement was that option to renew it ended September 30th. We began negotiations, I believe back as early as February of 2016 to move forward. We worked very hard and diligently to make sure that there are no gaps in the negotiations and what have you moving forward so that this agreement, the new agreement, could have been executed prior to October 1. In the meantime, we have continued to, to still serve. We will continue to serve. I cannot give you a date as to how long because that has never been discussed within Broward Health or with any of the county staff, if that answers your question. I guess it's the best answer I'll get. Thank, Thank you, you. ma'am. I, I, uh, I appreciate your efforts. Thank you. I do, however, feel that 
delaying this does have an impact to the people that we serve and that you need to keep that in under your spirit as you make your decision. Could you elaborate on, Madam Mayor, with your permission? Sure. Could you elaborate on that remark, please? Because again, none of us she want can. to do anything Absolutely. that would harm. So could you, you could you elaborate on your your last statement? Potential I, harm. My last statement? Yes, you said that it could cause potential harm. Y yes, because there are people watching and wondering and my board, I don't know how my board would feel about continuing services. I have not questioned them of that, nor have I given that information to our CEO, our interim CEO. My job here today was thinking that this agreement was coming through on the consent agenda, that it would have been favorable, my prayer was that, and that from that point forward, I would be going back to my staff to get all of our reports due upon execution and submitting invoices for October and November services that have already been rendered. Thank you, Ms. Shirley. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. <laughs> um, I want to first thank uh, Dr. Dorsey and other folks that spoke, but Dr. Dorsey in particular for your service, uh, uh, high level of service when you serve on this board. Uh, it's, it's sad that those aren't the days we're here today. Um, I want to clarify the gentleman who spoke who had open heart surgery. Thank God you're here. God bless. But you had mentioned that Ms. Shirley was fired and she's here. It's, it's Ms. Grant. Um, you know, I'm <clears throat> very saddened and dis disappointed that we're reading what we're reading in the newspaper. Um, I'm going to be very clear that with my experience, I'm going to be careful to speak as a resident of, of the North Broward Hospital District. Um, I serve and I represent a lot of folks who uh, reside in eight cities who, who uh, North Broward Hospital District serves. And I take that, that service very seriously. Um, what was mentioned by Ms. Shirley um, I'll just say that I have a, a very close interaction on a daily basis with people who use North Bard Hospital District, um, especially the youth in the Deerfield Beach, Pompano Beach area from what my wife does. And I don't want to see that harmed one bit. Um, Com Commissioner Holness, I'm going to address something you said after, but I, I, what I want to be cl very clear is that the medical staff at North Bard Hospital District is the best of the best. There's no question about that whatsoever. The nursing staff, the medical staff, the technicians, the technology, it is some of the best in the country. The, I would say some of the administration and the board as of late um, has been retaliatory in nature. Uh, they've been negligent, possibly derelict in their fiduciary duty. It sickens me as a, as a resident of, of uh, the North Broward Hospital District, uh, as a former city commissioner, as a former member of the CRC, which I've removed myself from recently at Imperial Point, uh, that people are uninformed of what's going on. I can't tell you what's going on because I don't know either. Um, but we're here today, and this, unfortunately, fortunately, you're here and you spoke out. That's your right. That's your fir First Amendment right. We've had uh, leaders in this community from Representative Clark Reed, Senator Thurston, 
um, speak out, and that's good. The unfortunate part is that this is, I don't believe, the right meeting. Um, Commissioner Holmes, you are correct. There, there is a board of commissioners that is more independent, and unfortunately right now that board is called the South Broward Hospital District, the Memorial Hospital District. Um, I, would, I would say that, as Ms. Shirley said, that people are watching. You are indeed correct. People are watching. Um, I would hope that that meeting stays on for December 14th. I don't think there's any reason that it should be rescheduled or changed. Um, there is one brave person on that board who has spoken out week after week after week, and it is killing her, and uh, I don't think her service will be much longer, but uh, I would recommend you all go to that 12-14 meeting. That being said, as Commissioner Rich mentioned, I cannot and will not put the service of uh, the folks who need it the most from the North Park Hospital District at risk, um, unless Ms. Henry and Ms. Shirley, you can both tell me that delaying this for until after the first of the year, the first meeting we have, will not cause any issue with that. Um, go back to what Commissioner Holness said, we do have a great credit rating because we make sure our vendors are paid. Um, if you can tell me, Ms. Henry, through, uh, through the mayor, uh, if you can maybe tell me or, or uh, have Ms. Shirley tell me that there won't be a, uh, a harm in that delay. Uh, otherwise, I can't support it. As I've indicated, um, we pay for the service. The decision as to whether or not to continue that service without a contract lies with the hospital district. So I cannot answer that. Madam Mayor, if, I, if we could yes, ask Ms. Shirley. Yes, you can continue. Yes. Ms. Shirley, if you, if you might. I think she better stay at the podium. <laughs> I think you can set your stuff on the table and just it stay is, there if you like. It is completely out of you may as well just completely stay right out of normal standard operating procedures. I realize that, uh, but a very simple question: Would you be willing to continue services if we defer this to the first meeting in January, knowing all all well and good that this board will support uh, renewing this contract? At this point, I was typing in an email message trying to get to our interim CEO. Um, wondering what his response may be. I have not received that just as yet. I can only speak for Jasmine Shirley. Jasmine Shirley will advocate that we continue to provide services as we have done in the past with the highest of quality and the care to the people that we serve. And Jasmine Shirley will work diligently with our interim CEO and our board of directors, our board of commissioners, um, with a specified timeline, if you can tell me when your next meeting is. Second week in January? January. No, Second week in January. I will take that information back. Thank you. Um, but I will work aggressively with our leadership to understand the need to continue the services in place and to work through whatever concerns that you may have. I prefer, however, <laughs> that we can work this out today. And just, uh, again, as a resident of North Broward Hospital District, you have mine and I, the people I can speak for, you have our undying support. Thank you. The next person in queue is Commissioner Udine, followed by Commissioner Bolgan. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I, too, share the concern of providing care to indigent patients, and I, too, echo the comments of how great the services that are provided at the North Broward Hospital District. 
but I cannot condone what I read day after day in the paper about the management, the, the board <coughs> level management of this publicly funded tax paying, taxpayer facility. So we've heard comments from the audience and from the dais about public funds, accountability, and we don't seem to be getting that. One of the reasons that I had asked to pull this as well is I, I'd like to ask our county auditor, are we seeing the type of reporting back that is provided for and called for in paragraph 12 of this agreement? Are you getting that in the office to determine whether the dollars are being spent appropriately? Thank you. Subsequent to our meeting yesterday and discussion, I contacted staff. My office does not receive these reports. Uh, staff does. They advise that they are indeed receiving those reports um, uh, relative to the services provided. Uh, to note, though, that the way this is structured, it's, it's not as detailed as you may think in terms of invoicing the like. We don't know who the patients are. We don't know the numbers of patients. We're contributing part of the cost, it's my understanding, part of the cost of these services. Um, so we are receiving the reports that are mandated by the contract. I've not had the opportunity to review those reports myself, but we, they are compliant as far as management has advised. Would you be able to, obviously, between now and if we were to defer this to the next meeting, give this a once-over from your office so that we can have a level of comfort with the taxpayer dollars on this board? I can look at the nature of the reports. I'm not sure that the level of comfort you're looking for may be embodied in those reports. Okay. If they're not, I'll come back with uh, recommendations as we might improve that um, to, to get additional information. And also, it's my, also my understanding that the funding of this is not, um, is actually uh, pursuant to some Florida statute relative to our uh, obligation with them. So. I don't know if we want to talk about that or not, but I can certainly take a look at this. That's the will of the board and, and uh, come back with some recommendations to maybe improve the agreement or at least address the issues that you're concerned about. So we're going to pay these dollars, and I, I have no doubt that the Board of County Commissioners will eventually authorize a payment of these dollars. I have no doubt that the services will continue to be provided to the indigent residents in, our, in the northern part of our county. But I would like to at least have an opportunity for you as the county auditor to tell me that the reporting that's being provided to you is something that you're okay with. Or if not, this is what you'd like to see that we can add an agreement so that when we do pass it, we get some level of reporting. Because if their independent board is, going, is not going to do this, I don't want to give $8.5 million under this contract, at least having somebody not being able to look at this on our end to make sure that we're going to do it. So I I'm going to support deferring this to the next meeting for that reason. Thank you, Commissioner Yudin. The next person in queue is Commissioner Bogan, followed by Commissioner Ryan. You know, I'd like to just follow up first uh, with our auditor, um, with Commissioner Yudin. Can we tie, what I think he's saying is, can we tie what he's talking about to the payment? Or are, I, I, it was my belief that we are required to pay these dollars. It's my understanding that we're required to pay some amount of money. I believe it's a negotiated amount. I'm not that, again, I'm not that familiar with the, with the statutory requirements. I believe it's a negotiated amount. The way it operates right now is we negotiate an amount with the hospital district and we pay one twelfth or monthly uh, part of that allocation. Uh, so that's, okay. that's how it operates. Uh, the reporting referred to is not, at least in my first glance at it, doesn't appear to be that detailed to, to know the nature and extent of the service provided. Okay, um, but 
Thank you. My, my comments really were, I, I agree with Commissioner Rich. I believe that we do have an obligation. I don't think we should take any risk with the residents of our county. Uh, it's been expressed already that it'd be preferred that we get this done today. And um, I'm going to vote for it happening today. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan. The whereas clauses on the contract to provide funding for the um, uh, low income persons who are served at the North Broward Hospital District speaks to uh, actions by the Florida legislature which mandate the provision of this primary care services. So to the county attorney, um, we have um, not funded uh, these services for the past nine weeks. And um, do you have any recollection of the past contracts? What type of, of um, periods of, of non-payment were these with the past contracts um, adopted into the fiscal year for the services provided? Do you mean, Commissioner, have we um, approved, has, your, has the board approved them on a retroactive basis in the past? Yes. Yes, it's apparently a, around this time, usually because the state fiscal year starts July 1. All right, so uh, it seems like the, the pattern has been that um, the North Broward Hospital District provides the services with the understanding that when the, when the data is provided that um, justifies or uh, verifies the outcomes that um, the services are paid for. Uh, so it would seem to me that it would be rather punitive on the part of the North Broward Hospital District Board of Directors to uh, discontinue services for this population uh, based upon a delay which could be either one week or uh, one month depending on where, whether we take it up next week or uh, take it up next month. So I think in the short term uh, I would support your motion uh, Commissioner Holness, if you would have this matter deferred to next week's meeting. I realize it's a day before the board would meet, but perhaps we could get some kind of statement from the hospital district as to how this issue is going to be addressed. And, you know, generally you don't want to have one board engage in the decisions of another board, um, but uh, as has been stated by uh, Commissioner Udine, there's been a lot in the paper over the last few months and um, I can't verify whether or not these statements are true, but they do provide uh, some concern about the operations and combined with um, what I read that there was the, uh, the discharge of the executive director without a dialogue and a debate uh, seemed to be a suspect decision in, in my view. So I'll go ahead and support your motion if you would defer it for one week. Okay, at this time I'm gonna recognize Commissioner Holness to close. Thank you very much. Uh, clearly, we are all concerned about the services to the engineer and our, and our people in our community that need these services. And I don't think that a week delay or even a month delay will cause any harm. Uh, certainly, uh, in the past, we've gone beyond um, this period without having a, a, a formalized contract in place. Uh, and, and my colleague, uh, Commissioner Udine, asking that our auditor take at least a look at uh, the reporting and see what, how we could strengthen this agreement is, is quite valid. 
so I, I, I'm going to ask that uh, we, we delay for a minimum of one week, uh, that we delay to the next meeting, uh, uh, defer the item till the next meeting. And at that time, if uh, we need more time, we can always address it then. Uh, but at this time, I'd like to make a motion that we defer this item for one week. I'll second it. Okay, so I have a motion and a second on the floor to defer item number eight for one week. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Aye. No. Let the record show that we have a six to three and it passes. Mayor. Um, Yes. Yes, Ms. my Henry. staff um, um, advise that the agreement that has taken the, the longest to negotiate was the arresting medical. So they wanted me to clarify that. While they start negotiations on, the hosp on the, the, this agreement, um, they are getting the reports that they, that, that, um, um, that's due to the contract. Um, you know, we typically have some delays, as you all, if, as we've talked about, but the contract that caused the most angst was the arresting medical. Thank you. Arresting medical. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Moving on with our agenda. Thank you, Ms. Shirley. Moving on uh, with our agenda, the next item that was pulled was item number 14. That was by Vice Mayor Furr. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I pulled this for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to recognize the work that had been done. Back in 2012, this body actually um, recognized the need for a multi-jurisdictional input for conservation on coral, on coastal waters. And the, the task, force, task force itself was comprised of four different counties, uh, DEP, NOAA, uh, Fish and Wildlife, uh, divers, snorkelers, scuba, scuba people, everybody. Everybody was on this task force. They met for 30 different, for 30 months. Uh, Commissioner Lamarck was on there as well. I, I mean, it met for so long, we started, I think we started to recognize each other's milestones in our families and everything. But it was, um, it is a solid piece of work that is, and I didn't want it to go unrecognized um, because it is, uh, because of all the work that's been done there. But I do want to call attention to two things in particular. One is proposed legislation that is coming forth from this. Uh, one is it's a draft proposal to uh, create a coastal management area up from Martin County all the way down to the Keys. And that is being going to be brought forth by, uh, by Representative Jacobs and by Senator Farmer. So they've already got that piece and they're already kind of running with it. Um, in addition, there's an ask there for $1.8 million uh, to uh, push for water quality monitoring sites and for uh, coral reef uh, identity and, and uh, really diagnoses. And I say that, and I, I included some extra uh, submittals here. While this was going on, while this task force was meeting, there, was, it wasn't, there wasn't a real sense of urgency at the time. There was, there was some, we were seeing some uh, disease on the reefs, but what I wanted to call attention to for the commissioners here is what is happening now. And if you had a chance to look at that, you will see a, a, an epidemic happening. Uh, you are, there's 35 species of coral in our, in our seas outside. 18 of them right now have significant 
um, coral disease. And if you look at, there's actually a mortality, a wildlife mortality uh, record here, and you are seeing, and they've actually said, are saying of, of a number of the species, over millions of them are dying. And they are, they are actually at the point where they think this is, um, this, it's, it's like having a, a patient in ICU and not knowing what to do. And so there's a, there's a need for the, for money to go toward research. Uh, the, I know that there's 40 different um, grants out there right now with, with the University of Miami Coral Reef Institute. Um, but they, are, they don't know what it is. They don't know what's causing it. And so this proposed legislation that's being put forth in Tallahassee, this uh, now, as well as appropriations, are, are worth our support. This rec this, these recommendations are worth our support. And uh, so I'm going to make a motion to approve that. I also wanted to recognize Ken Banks, who, is, who had kind of s stewarded this through there. And I wanted to give him a chance to speak if, he, if he'd like to, because he really has done the yeoman's amount of work here uh, in, in pulling together all four counties and all those agencies. And Ken, if you've got something to say. Uh, thank, thank you, Commissioner. This was supposed to take six months. Um, so four or five, six months ago, <laughs> yeah. we started working on it. But I appreciate your efforts, Commissioner Lamarca, uh, former Kish Commissioner Jacobs, uh, put a lot of time into this, and it's greatly appreciated. And this is a huge step. We've never had regional management of our resources in our area at all. So the, the approval of the county commission goes a long way in supporting that, uh, and I think will carry a lot of weight uh, in trying to get these steps implemented in these recommendations. And Ken, I know you've actually been diving down to see the coral, coral yourself, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. Can you just kind of let everybody know what you're seeing? I've never seen anything like what I've seen in the last two years. Yeah. And I've been working here for 26 years and diving our reefs and working on the reefs. And we have epidemics of disease that are wiping out our corals, our most common corals. One of our rarer corals, which is a coral that divers will actually pay money to see, they come on trips to sea, is gone. Uh, the colonies we had are, we believe, totally gone. Um, so that's quite disturbing. We have a coral that we have dated back to the 1500s. It's that old by Port Everglades, and it died this year. It went through El Nino's. We can see them in the, in the growth rings in the coral. Uh, we can see changes in water and flooding and all kinds of things that it survived, but it died this year. So that's quite disturbing, and we don't know why. And this effort will help us get in that, the right direction to try to figure out what's going on out there that we need to resolve. Yeah, and I think the good part about it, once this, once this task force had sunsetted, Ken, you kept it going, even under, uh, as, a, as an ad hoc committee. And, and I'm, I'm glad you did, because now this legislation is coming from that, as well as the appropriations ask. For, from that. So really, thank you for your efforts. That's, thank you for you, your help. You really kept it going. Yeah, thank you. And uh, hopefully we can uh, be able to take a look at it. Okay, thank you. I don't think we're overstating the, the, the situation over now. I don't think so. So do we have a motion? Motion to approve. Um, Commissioner Lamarca? I wanted to compliment short, my short-time colleague here, uh, uh, Vice Mayor Commissioner Furr, uh, for his diligence, his, his advocacy, and his passion on, the, on this issue and these issues. Um, if you look at this, at this map, you know, we all know that Broward County 
had 15.3 million visitors last year. They spent about $14.2 billion with a B. Uh, Two-thirds of those folks spent time on the beach or visited our beach or stayed at our beach. And a great, a great percentage of that, of that number, go to places, for example, like Lauderdale-by-the-Sea, Pompano Beach, Deerfield Beach, Fort Lauderdale. And they go to those little smaller towns, so not so much Fort Lauderdale, but the other ones, and what they do is they either shore dive or they go out in dive boats and they spend days here and they spent hundreds of millions of dollars to see our, see our corals. This is not a fiscal issue only for me, but, but it's a big part of our tourism industry. It's a big part of our state's tourism industry and it's one of the things that makes us so very unique. You know, uh, a few weeks ago we had the boat show. It's gonna come in at probably $550 million in economic impact. Um, but the thing that most impressed me this year was the assembly of uh, the marine, uh, marine Hub. And basically that was Nova Southeastern, University of Miami, FIU, FAU, uh, our universities here. And we have an opportunity with the, with the education. And you've always heard folks say, well, we're not Silicon Valley or we're not Boston or we're not Austin. Well, no, we're not. We're South Florida and we have the opportunity in the science and research that lives under this, uh, in this area, along this coastal management area, to cure cancer, to do many, many other things. And if we can harness that power with people who've spent their entire career and their entire life uh, dealing with this like, uh, like you, sir, um, you know, it, it's important. So important that this year's Florida Association of Counties uh, five primary policy uh, issues with all the things that are going on in the world, uh, in, the, in our community in Florida and the 67 counties, two of those top issues were comprehensive water policy and beach renourishment. Now, if that doesn't get you as South Florida residents, whether you live inland or you live on the coast, excited, I don't know what will because um, we're all gonna go advocate in Tallahassee to the 120 members of the House and 40 members of the Senate to let them know how important these issues are and, and separately your issue and separately the, the beach renourishment group that I put together last year from Escambia all the way around the, the state of Florida, the Keys and, and back up to the Panhandle. Uh, it's tremendously important for us to make sure that these dollars are spent to preserve what we can. Uh, it's disappointing and very discouraging that you know to hear things when you say dead and, and hopefully that doesn't Hopefully there's an incarnation, a reincarnation there somewhere. Uh, I know it's science, but it, you know there's also there's also hope that we'll be able to save some of these things. That, and uh, without your your work, uh, Dr. Banks, and without your work, uh, Commissioner Fur, I think this would have happened. So congratulations, and I support this 100. percent Thank you, Commissioner Lamarca. I had a motion and a second. All those in favor of item number 14, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that item 14 passes unanimously. The next item that was removed from consent agenda was item number 17 by Commissioner Geller. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, I supported, I would have supported the uh, part of this uh, that would have declared a surplus. However, uh, I received a communication recently from uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity uh, indicating that they were hoping that they could uh, use that property um, for a tutoring program. So prior to declaring the property surplus where the county might get a minimum bid of $19,200, I would recommend that we remove this item, explore this further with uh, 
Kirkland Floyd, who is a person who contacted me, and um, see if this is something that instead of the county getting $20,000 can help the community, I would certainly be in favor of that. So I would recommend that we remove this item today from consideration for purposes of exploring the, the tutoring and mentorship program. Okay. Um, and do we, um, do we have anybody I, else that wishes to speak on the item? I will, I will second the motion mm -hmm. because uh, whatever we can do to ensure that we're getting community participation and especially uh, within this district, my district, with educational uh, help, uh, I think it's, it's, it's definitely something that we should explore. So I, I'm, I'm in full support. Commissioner, Vice Mayor Furr. I'm, I'm obviously all for something like that, but I, I am interested in knowing what the process would be for us to be able to um, tie it to one entity. And I'm not sure how that works. Can I just hear how that would work? Yes. Ms. Coffey? Yes, there's a statutory provision that allows the conveyance um, for certain charitable purposes like this. I'm just needing to look at the statute. And I, if it's deferred, I can get back with you on, on what the restrictions are on such a conveyance. Okay, Madam Mayor. Yes. My understanding is that the, per, the uh, Alpha Phi Alpha was not asking us to give them the property. Rather, they wanted to either rent it from the county for purposes of, or at most have the opportunity to use it rent-free for purposes of, while the county would still own it. Uh, the same for, statute covers leases. Okay. Leases. So they would need to lease the property. Yes. Okay. Um, Commissioner Rich. I just have a question then. Uh, so would this just not be open to any other nonprofit or any other group that might want to use the, 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 uh, the property for similar type purposes? Ms. Henry. So if it's what the board directs, so if you would like um, us to work directly with um, this not for, um, the not-for-profit, we would. If we put it out to see if there's interest by others, we would do that as well. Okay. Okay, Madam Mayor, yes. what I'm asking that we do now is remove this uh, from the agenda so that we can determine what the best use of the property is. That and what would help period the would that be? What period would you like to? You want to give a time? Uh, I, I'd ask the, that to the discretion of the county administrator how long it would take to determine what needs to be done. You know, I don't know that this needs to come back if the administrator uh, advises us that whether it's through the people contacted me, Alpha Phi Alpha, or some other group, as Senator Rich is discussing. I'm, I'm not saying it has to be this group. I'm just saying if there's a way that this property can be used instead of generating 20000 for the county, if it can be used to help the community, I think it should be. So okay. I'm proposing that we remove it, not defer it. An oh. indefinite deferral is in order to allow the administrator to come back with a response to your inquiry. So indefinite refer deferral? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So you had a motion for indefinite deferral and a second. Commissioner Lamarck, are you raising your hand? If I, real quick, if it's going to be deferred, can we, can we get uh, maybe Ms. Coffey uh, or Real Property to maybe uh, give us a little <coughs> bit of background of why it is valued at 19.2 when the property appraiser has different number? Am I missing something? Ms. Henry? <coughs> Uh, we often find that the what the, the appraisal and the the what is on the 
property appraisers uh, website, they, they differ all the time. So well, I would have to go and I understand, and but the property that, appraiser is saying even to save our home's value is 175000 and it's a 1,900 square foot structure. I don't know what the condition of the structure is, but if somebody's going to tutor in it, it's got to be inhabitable. Um, so it just seems like a bad deal all around. I'd like to look at, take a little more look at it and, and offer the opportunity. If it's only nineteen two, then there's certainly a lot of opportunity there in Fish Lane's district. I, I, I believe that the property would need substantial uh, renovation if it, if it were going to be used for uh, that type of purpose, but we would have to spend more. We'll spend more time with that and get, a, get you an answer to your questions. Okay, so at this point in time, I had a motion and a second for an indefinite deferral. All of those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that item number 17 has been indefinitely deferred. Okay, we're on to item number 18, which was pulled by Commissioner Holness. Commissioner Holness. You didn't pull item 18? Oh, okay. Well, can I have a motion on item number 18, please? Okay, all those in favor of item 18, signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. All right, the next item that was pulled from consent agenda is item number 28, and that was a public poll, and that's uh, by George Platt. You polled 28 and 33? Yes, yes, no? Okay, all right. Um, Madam Mayor, you want to hear them together? I can wait until 33 comes up. Well, if we pass 28, 33 will be deferred. So I think you might want to speak now. Or forever hold my peace. <laughs> uh, good morning. Uh, George Platt here on behalf of Crow Horvath. Uh, and um, I'm pleased to, uh, uh, that uh, Crow has certainly had the privilege of providing a very high level of professional services to Broward County over the last few years. And obviously they'd like an opportunity to compete. As the auditor states, competition is uh, to the benefit of Broward County in these RFPs. Uh, and the question is, how do you get it? Uh, we've suggested that the way you get it is to, in fact, uh, uh, eliminate the mandatory rotation uh, uh, prohibition in your administrative code and supplant it with the language that was drafted by the, um, by the county auditor. Uh, and I saw the county auditor's memo, and, I, and uh, uh, he suggests that uh, you don't do anything right now and you kind of wait and see. Uh, maybe you don't get enough firms, and maybe you come back and do it again. I think that's a very inefficient way to do it. Um, the draft uh, amendment um, uh, reflects the position of the GFOA and the entire industry, and that's that you should have RFPs on a regular basis. Um, you should encourage competition. Uh, if it, to do that, uh, you eliminate mandatory rotation uh, if you have to, uh, and I think uh, in this case it would be beneficial for you to do that, uh, and instead require a mandatory rotation of the accounting firm's lead partner or key staff. I think it's illogical to amend the administrative code prospectively. Uh, that's unfair to Crow. I mean, it says you can't compete, but in the future we're going to eliminate the mandatory rotation, uh, and your successor whoever they are, would have the benefit of being able to compete down the road. So either you keep the mandatory rotation or you eliminate it entirely and allow us to compete. Uh, that's the fair thing to do. 
then you don't just put a penalty on us. You create a level playing field. Uh, certainly, uh, Mr. Lukic's suggestion that you wait until after you see how many firms uh, reply, I think, would be a very inefficient way to do this. So, you know, again, we're privileged to have had the opportunity to work with Broward County. We'd like a shot at applying. I recognize that's a long shot uh, at this stage of the game, uh, but I do believe that uh, Broward County should file the lead that you've seen taking place throughout the country, uh, particularly in Miami-Dade and uh, Palm Beach County, uh, City of Miami, uh, certainly uh, as well as uh, Hillsborough County, and most of the large organizations that get involved in the accounting industry have suggested that this is not necessarily the best thing to do. So. We want to encourage competition. You want to encourage competition. The question is, how do you do that best? And my suggestion is you do that best by leveling the playing field, putting protections in place, as you have done historically, uh, require a mandatory rotation of staff, but give everybody an opportunity to participate. That's all we're asking for. And with that, I will say thank you very much for the opportunity to address you this morning. Thank you, Mr. Platt. Okay. With that, back to this dais. Hold on, let me stop that timer. Um, before the members speak, sure. County Auditor. Thank you, Madam Mayor and Commissioner Ryan. Um, this issue, I think that uh, there's not a lot of disagreement. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. George Platt actually said that you should follow your policy unless, um, uh, and change if you have to. The point of my memorandum is that the practice we have, our policy right today, is the best practice of the GFOA. Um, and they do recognize that if there's a competitive problem, uh, you may wish to change your practice uh, and the policy. Uh, we have not yet encountered that problem. Uh, we have had sufficient firms uh, last go-around, which was seven years ago, which originally, because there were only three, it did have me a little bit concerned that we might have the problem. When I looked at the other jurisdictions and I looked at the literature, uh, the other jurisdictions uh, had four respondents, uh, the Palm Beach County and uh, Miami-Dade, in more recent procurements, uh, with the incumbent included. So you would still have three incumbents uh, without the, uh, I mean, three respondents without the, without the incumbent. Therefore, you would have an adequate competition with three. That's typically the benchmark for a minimum of three. Uh, all we're saying is, let's not anticipate the problem. The GFOA says, if it's a problem, you should reconsider your policy. But we should not anticipate the problem until we have the problem. I believe right now, based on the firms that are out there, that we would likely receive at least three respondents. And therefore, I think it's premature to change our policy at this time. And um, with that, I'll answer any other questions you may have. Okay, at this time I have Commissioner Holness in queue first, followed by Commissioner Geller. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, it, it, it was good to see the auditors uh, respond yesterday uh, because we knew that we would probably at least have gotten three, as, as was done in the past, based on what, at least I knew, based on the feedback that I had been getting. Uh, to fix a problem before we really have it doesn't make sense. So uh, with that in mind, when we get to that point, if we don't get enough, then I think it's appropriate that we do that. Uh, my conversation with uh, us at the last meeting about 
some enhanced opportunities for CBE firms to be able to grow and develop to become competitive so we can increase competition in the future uh, is not being addressed here the way I thought first. But in my pre-board meeting yesterday, yesterday with the uh, auditor, he pointed out something that I think could be significant, which I don't think is included in the RFP. We probably ought to, 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 to do this. He pointed out that in order to grow the CBE, if they were able to sign off on some of the subsection of the audit, like the property appraisers, the sheriff's office, or, or some other entity, where they would then have their name on that report as the one who did it. Of course, probably with some assistance from the prime. That could then help lend them the opportunity to grow and develop. So, uh, auditor, I'd love for us to include that in the language. Would there be any issue with us doing that, sir? I think, I think what you're referring to in our discussion is historically Broward County's been in a leadership role relative to uh, encouraging uh, CBEs to take a more active role in the audit. Uh, and I, I apologize because I didn't finish my full analysis, but I wanted to compare us to other jurisdictions, Palm Beach and Miami-Dade, but I didn't have all the information to do so. But clearly the way that has worked, not necessarily in the RFP or in the contract, but the way it's worked in Broward is that when we have a CBE goal, we challenge the firm, the prime, to, to use the CBEs in a very substantive way. Uh, in the old days when I used to do the audit, you got the CBE on board, they lent you staff, and you used their staff and paid them for staff. It was a, a, like an hourly kind of thing. I, you contributed a certain number of staff, we would pay you for the staff. I think several years ago, maybe uh, 15, 20 years ago, as long as I can remember, the county changed that and started having the CBE firms actually do one or more pieces of the audit that they were capable of handling. They did the SOE, they did the property appraiser. The significance of that is that the CBE firm is no longer just providing staff, it's actually taking responsibility for a component of the audit. That is very valuable, in my opinion, to them because they can leverage that by going to other jurisdictions, cities and the like and saying, Look, I do a, I actually do the audit of the property appraiser. I actually do the audit of the SOE. In the, in the former position where they're lending staff, you really don't have any um, um, credibility in terms of auditing. But once you do an audit report and you take full responsibility, it engages your entire firm, and you're actually on the line for your opinion, and it, it elevates you. It, we've been very successful with firms over the years with that. That's a practice that we intend to continue. That's the practice that is currently in, in place. Um, so. Part of the discussion whether we should break out and award separate contracts to the individuals, I think that's not going to be cost effective. But the method we use is actually a very uh, helpful one. And uh, my only reluctance is uh, mandating to the respondents to the RFP exactly how they break up the team. But fully during the discussions and the, the negotiation, uh, the selection process, we will be looking for them to how they effectively use the CBE firms to accomplish the board's goals. So that's how it's worked in the past, and that's just for ways of expla uh, explaining how our system, I believe, works better than some, several other jurisdictions I've looked at. Okay. Yeah. Senator Geller. And, 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 and I, um, I understand the practice. It's good practice. However, there's no requirement. It's not coded anywhere that this is how we practice. And 
I, I don't think that's wrong at all. I, I, it's just not, 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 not the way that I think we ought to be looking to go. I, I think we ought to put something in place, even if it's soft language that says we strongly encourage that they actually assign specific uh, and I would have no objection with that. My only concern would be if we went and we mandated that a respondent firm had to use a uh, CBE firm for a specific component, the firms they have teamed up with may or may not have the resources to actually do that, and you could create a problem. So I think there has to be some flexibility, but I do certainly think that we could strengthen the language relative to that. All I would tell you is the practice in the last 20 years or 25 years has been pretty straightforward. We haven't, we haven't had any... Yeah. backward movement on that participation. Uh, because I do believe it helps the primes as well. I think it, it helps them as well. So, Auditor, you would have no problem if we were to have language uh, such as uh, we strongly suggest to our primes that they assign particular entities to uh, the CBEs that they select commensurate with the, the professional ability of the under Commensurate with professional ability. Okay, sure. so I would like uh, at some point in time to ask for an amendment uh, with that uh, language in place, and I'm sure our county auditor can work with our county attorney to uh, make it uh, done in such a way that it doesn't hurt us, but it helps the community. Okay, Commissioner Geller, you're next in queue. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I have been guided heavily on this uh, issue by the, our county auditor because it's an auditing issue. I, I did check with Florida Association of Counties if there was the best practices. They uh, say that they don't have one. I checked with uh, NACO, uh, did not get a response from them, but I think the Government Finance Office Association is, is uh, a strong recommendation. However, in my conversations with the auditor, he was saying that he thought that there should be a minimum of three, that three is really what the gold standard was. So at the appropriate time, if someone else makes a motion, I'd move to amend it or I can make the motion because I would ask that uh, when we do adopt item, the recommendations one and two, that we would amend recommendation three to just say that in the event that the RFP results in less than three, audits, that is two or less, then that matter would immediately come back to the county commission where at that point in time we could discuss whether we wanted to do a change to our policy or a waiver as opposed to going through the entire review process and everything like that. If the auditor says we really want three, I would, uh, and Madam Mayor, I don't know whether this should be in the form of a motion at the appropriate time or wait till there's a motion and I would then do an amendment. But what I would be asking for is that if there are less than three, that it come back to the, the Board of County Commissioners. There's no one else that was um, in queue to speak after you, so it would be appropriate okay. for you to make a motion. In that, that case, motion. Madam Mayor, I'd like to make a motion. I would like to move the following items. Number one, that uh, recommendations number one and two of the auditor be approved. Secondly, that number three, uh, recommendation be changed to state that in the event that the RFP results in less than three, I mean two or less, so less than three qualified firms, 
that the matter immediately be referred back to this board for additional discussion. And the third item would be to include the language that Commissioner Holness was bringing up pertaining to the uh, small business. Okay. I second the motion. Thank you. That was a well-stated motion. All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? County Attorney, you have a question? The motion includes the deferral of item 33. Yes, the motion includes the deferral of item 33? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, Let the minutes, Secretary, show that the motion included an item of um, deferral of item 33. Okay, at this time, that disposes of item number 28 and 33. So um, the public speaker who had asked to speak on 33, Mr. Platt, is aware? We're moving on. The next item pulled from the agenda is item number 31 by Commissioner Yudin. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, some of my questions were answered in my, in my pre-agenda meetings, but I do have a problem with the special warranty deed with the restrictions that are placed in the warranty deed. This is a piece of property that was paid for by the taxpayers, true through another governmental entity, but it's still $4.3 million of taxpayer money. The property now is worth around $2.9 million, so the taxpayers have already lost $1.4 million on that. I think if we ask our county attorney, and I will, uh, what is adding additional uh, limitations in the special warranty deed due to the value of the piece of property? It tends to diminish the value of the property because there are fewer uses to which it can be put. So they have in there some very open-ended language about education, and I understand the point that they're trying to make, but I, I don't think it's a, it's a well-made point. If We don't have a specific use for this right now, but I do believe we will find a use for it. But in the event, in the event that we don't, and the county administrator or somebody in county staff decides they want a, dr- a job training facility there or they want something that can be somewhat related to education, we then can't do that on this property without reverting back to the school board or asking them for permission. Um, I think that we should, I'll reluctantly at some point approve this, uh, but I think that we should have the, ask to have the language removed from that while we have the ability to, to remove the item out of the special warranty deed, prohibiting any kind of restrictions on the use. Question. Thank you. Um, Yes, question was Commissioner Geller. Um, This is to, I guess, staff. And uh, Commissioner Udin raises a very good point. If we're paying current fair market value for the property, if the school board is selling us the property at a discount, because we're promising to only use it for educational, that might be. So are we paying current full market value? No, we're not. I'm, we are, I'm sorry. We are paying what the average of the two appraisals deem the property to be valued. So he's right. Then he's right. So, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so at this point, county attorney. Well, it's always within your prerogative to amend the item. Obviously, the two staffs came to terms here, but if you amend it, you won't have a contract. It'll go back to the school board for them to consider whether an amended version um, is agreeable to them. And then you will have already passed it without, um, we can modify the special warranty deed to delete that provision, and we'll send it back to the school board to see if they agree. I'll make a motion then to approve this with the language removed from the special warranty deed restricting the future of the use of the property. Second. 
Commissioner Lamarco, for discussion. Thank you, Mayor. I'll, I'll be brief. I, I met with staff yesterday and completely fine with the with the value of this property. We use our two uh, appraisals. Uh, let, me, let me first by saying I don't think I've ever said this before, but Commissioner Udine, very, very good uh, PBMI. She answered a lot of questions. It's good to have a real <laughs> good to have a real estate attorney on the board, um, but. If we're going, and I understand how the, how the real estate market works, but if we're going out and assembling properties and we find them at a good deal without a specific purpose, how do we know exactly what the absolute best use of that is? Um, we know that, I don't necessarily want to air my conversations with, with staff, but we know that medical examiner is looking for property. We know that the supervisor election has been looking for a, a property for better than a decade now. Um, we know that we have other needs and uses for county facilities. We know the age of this building, all those type of things. How, when we look at a piece of property, at least a couple of those uses, shouldn't we, shouldn't we know what, uh, it, that there are no restrictions for at least a couple of those uses? And then we talked, I talked to staff yesterday a little bit about, you know, maybe co-locating even a couple of those needs if this property is large enough. I know we tried to do that with another property and it didn't work out. So I just want to make sure that we're cognizant of that, of that as we look at a property, value it, make sure that the uses are within that, uh, and it was commerce uh, for this one, and just make sure that when we're doing that, we're not just buying property to, to keep it, and I understand we're not, but, but that could be the appearance if we're buying a piece of property and we don't have a specific use for it yet. Commissioner Udine? Um, I, 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 I pretty much agree with what you're... At the end of the day, all I'm saying is um, this went out to a, the, the process that they used was a sealed bid to sell the property. And I, in the, there were no other bidders. So we're the only buyer for this property. Nobody else is buying this piece of property. So what we're doing is we're saying to the taxpayers of Broward County through the school board or through whatever that we're going to basically bail them out because we're going to take this piece of property that's worth very little. Be, they can't build a school on it's only seven acres. They need the money to educate our children in the future. We're going to help them. I'm assuming that we're going to use it for a medical office or, 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 or one of the other uses that I've heard. But on the off shot that we don't, why should we be penalized in any way? If, if someone comes to us and says, we, we want to use this for X, Y, and Z, and we'll pay you more than you paid for it, we then have to run to the school board or the superintendent of schools to have them remove a deed restriction, which ain't easy. Okay. So, I mean, I have that. that I mean, you had a motion and you had a second. Um, Commissioner Holness? Yes. I'm very familiar with this uh, property. It is actually located in, in, in District 9 in my district. Uh, and it sat there for a while, not being utilized. Uh, to to Commissioner Udine's point, uh, I think part of what uh, I believe the school board is looking to do is ensure that there's no competition to the center that they've got next door, the uh, Arthur Ashe Vocational Center, something that I advocated for. Uh, my hope is that the site would have been used for expanding that facility. It is located in zip code 33311. There's a tremendous amount of need for training uh, and, and technical training, technical and vocational training within this community. Nonetheless, we're here with it today. Uh, I, I want us to also be cautioned that for heavy business commercial use, 
the site I don't think is appropriate, and and, and the supervisor of elections uh, wouldn't want to be there. Uh, that's that's her her staff's comments to me, uh, and for 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 a variety of reasons, uh, it's not on a main thoroughfare. It's it's set set somewhat secluded, uh, with heavy residential uh, to the west, uh, some industrial to the east of the property. So you won't have, if you start putting a whole lot of folks in there on a, for business, where are the restaurants? Where, where, are, where are the retail outlets? Where, where, are, the, where are the places people are going to need to go visit uh, when they go to this site and, and have needs to fulfill? It's not there, not for a good distance. So I, I do understand the supervisor of elections office take on this. Uh, Something that complements what's there now, I believe, would possibly be the medical examiner's office. They have a very strong nursing program at the, at the site that sometimes is a waiting list. And these students need places to intern. Uh, so that could probably be complementary. Uh, but other heavy use, I, I think, is not, this is not the appropriate place for it at all. I agree, but even with what you're saying with the medical examiners, if we do a training facility in the medical examiner's property, we may be forced with this same deed restriction that says we can't do that there. So all I'm saying is if we're going to buy it, that language has to be out of the deed. And, and, and I'm County, not arguing against it. I, I, okay. I'm support. I, County Auditor? I think uh, Commissioner Udine is absolutely correct. We have had prior history with properties that we purchased, and ultimately we did not use them for the the intended purpose, and you can get stuck with those. It would be imprudent to take possession of a property that quite, quite frankly has a deed restriction that impairs the value, and especially since we still haven't resolved exactly what we're going to use the property for, we could reach with, we could uh, have some objections from the, the city, we could have some objections from the community, and sometimes things don't work out the way you intended, so I would I would suggest that uh, I would support uh, Mr. Udine's motion on this because I do think it's the prudent thing to do. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. So I had a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that item number 28, 31 passes unanimously. 31 amended. 31 as amended passes unanimously. Okay, I'm going to go backwards. Um, we have a presentation on Zika virus. Um, and it also relates to item number 26. So I would like to go ahead and take that at this time by Ann Ton, right? Yes, From Highway and Bridge Maintenance Director. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Ann Ton, Division Director of Highway and Bridge Maintenance, and I oversee the Mosquito Control Section for Broward County. Here to give you a quick update on Zika and our effort for to control the mosquito that, that carried this virus and to let you know what our plan are for the next season. Um, now, very quickly, um, a brief summary. The, why, why this is important is because Zika has been linked and confirmed by the CDC and the World Health Organization as caused uh, microcephaly and other severe birth defects in babies. Um, now, there are currently no cure, and there's no vaccine for it right now. And there's a lot of research being spent on this, but as of right now, there's no cure and no vaccine. Now, 
What's important is that currently uh, within our state in Florida, there are over a thousand cases of, of confirmed Zika. And of those a thousand cases, there are approximately 175 pregnant women with confirmed Zika cases. Now within our county, the, the blue are the travel-related cases. Uh, right now, as of a couple of days ago, we have 158 travel-related cases. And what they are are exactly what travel is, is folks that have traveled elsewhere in the country or the world uh, and um, contracted this virus and are now in our area in Broward County. Uh, but what's important is that we still have only one locally uh, contracted cases. And in that one case, it was closed by the state health department in August of this year. Um, after they conducted an exhaustive research and collected samples around this patient, and there were no other uh, positive cases, which means that it was very unlikely to have caused by mosquito because this virus can be spread through sex and um, through blood transfusions. Um, what causes the primary method of transmission, however, is by this one particular mosquito, the Aedes aegypti mosquito. And how we, and this is a little different from the other mosquito that are unknown. Uh, typically, mosquito bite at dusk and at dawn. This type of mosquito live around your house, and they bite all day long, which makes them very difficult to target when they're adult because they're constantly flying and hiding and biting all day long. So the way we target them and our strategy have been very effective is to target them when they're in a larvae stage. That means when they're swimming around in a small water or container of water, um, and they're looking for a food source. And the way we target them is to either empty the water uh, or we introduce an organic material that is a larvicide, and essentially it kills the larvae before they become adult mosquito. And we do that by airplane or by truck, and we use a contractor up to this point. Um, we place a larvicide tablet uh, and backpack with our own crews, and of course we always urge our resident to eliminate the standing water. What we're planning for next season, however, is to, um, we've recently retrofitted three of our trucks and we're gonna be using them to uh, have a turbine sprayer. And what that does for us is that it sprays this product, this organic material high up in the air. <clears throat> it uses wind to drift the product from the street into people's backyard on top of their roof. Um, it goes three or 400 feet, so we, um, we can turn the machine on and off. So when we have a residence or a community that needs some sensitivity because of this product, we can turn the machine on and off, unlike an airplane spray. It does get below the um, tree canopies, so unlike the airplane, airplane spray, and what um, the truck does is it um, avoids all the weather conditions that are typical with an airplane spray. In addition, our, all of our um, mosquito control inspectors are now using a smartphone, have smartphone, and they're using an app that was created um, by our, another department within the county. Um, and what all that means is essentially they're gonna be spending a lot more time in the field doing their work and less time in the office filling out paperwork. <clears throat> now what's, what, the other thing that's most important to us is we're gonna be expanding the outreach into the community. In particular, we train additional staff through the various departments in the county that are already doing outreach. And when they go out in the community, they'll have some of these tools here that you see uh, to talk to the community about 
uh, the, the different way to protect themselves or by emptying water. And what we're going to be doing is targeting at first the pregnant women, uh, you know, hospital, maternity war, and in area where people cannot empty water, we've, we hope to give out to use a state grant to buy a bunch of these uh, little tablets and give them out to uh, the more at-risk populations, you know, the pregnant women, the people that are frequent with people that travel to different countries or at high-risk populations that may not use air conditioning. So I believe I met the mayor's time frame, so <laughs> with that, I'll answer any question you may have. Thank you. Okay. Are there any questions? No. Okay. okay. Seeing none, thank you. We are on item 26. Can I have a motion to approve item 26? So second. Do you have a second? second? Okay. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show item 26 passes unanimously. We are now on to item number 30. Did we do 32? We're ready for 32. The Fitzy report. Do you have a motion to approve? Move it. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Okay, all opposed? Let the record show item 32 passes unanimously. We are on to item number 37, and that was public request to speak. I have one, two, three, four, five, six speakers on item number 37. Um, so item 37 is a request to cancel the uh, for the termination to cancel Humana health plan um, and then the emergency procurement with United Healthcare Services. All right, so our first speaker on this item is Howard E. Jean Adams, Pennington, PA. That was a mouthful. Thank you, Madam Chair. Gene Adams with the law firm of Pennington, PA in Tallahassee. I'm here today representing Humana. Uh, Humana contacted us uh, yesterday, uh, very concerned uh, at this declaration of an emergency and a need to cancel the contract that Humana had won in a procurement over the summer. Uh, as they conducted some 42 employee meetings regarding the new contract, there was some concern over the network. Um, as you know, Humana uh, seeks continually to improve its network and it has to obviously obtain contracts with others that it has previously had contracts providers. So some of the current providers were tough in their negotiations and there were some networks, uh, some of the network rather was not going to be renewed. Uh, since that time, however, they have renewed contracts with almost all of the providers that cause concern. They believe they will also reach uh, agreement with tenant and also with, um, uh, they may not with Boca, but that resolves almost 94 to 95 percent of all of the network issues. We don't believe that constitutes an emergency. We're continuing to look at whether or not you uh, should uh, cancel the contract. We're not certain that under the Broward ordinances and other uh, definitions that constitutes an emergency. It is not that there would not be any health care. It is simply that you might not have the provider of choice in a very small percentage uh, of the 
uh, area. So uh, that is of concern. We continue to also look at the contract provisions, whether it's appropriate. Uh, the current provider, uh, we won in a very lengthy competitive process. This award would be made without the benefit of a review of uh, the pricing of the network of the new provider. Uh, there was a scoring process. We would urge you to at least reconvene a scoring process to look at networks or to consider any new provider as well. So we think there are legal issues uh, that remain to be tested, and we will continue to look at that as well as any public records on the issue. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Giselle Cushing. Good morning. Uh, my name is Giselle Cushing. I'm with Humana. I'm the Market Vice President of Humana. As an advocate for your employees for the past five years, I'm truly concerned about the hasty decision to overturn the decision that was made by the Evaluation Committee and by the board. This will create significant disruption for your employees and their families to terminate Humana's contract and move to United Healthcare in less than 30 days. As you know, we have successfully managed this contract even through the transition to self-funded and it has always been a very positive partnership and it's always been in the best interest of the employees. Humana is constantly evaluating its provider network to ensure delivery of efficient, affordable, and quality healthcare for Humana members and clients. We take the role very seriously to negotiate provider contracts that balance both affordability and member access. During the RFP process and the meeting that was held on May 25th, we disclosed our ongoing negotiations with Tenant Healthcare at that time. Currently, we're in active discussions with Tenant Healthcare and are hopeful that we will be able to restore in-network access to these hospitals and physicians for your members in the near future. More recent negotiations have included Holy Cross and BOGA and Florida Women's Care. In recent weeks, Holy Cross Hospital and Florida Women's Care have reached an agreement with Humana and the contract termination was rescinded, which is preventing member disruption. Humana and Boca Regional are working very closely to reach an agreement, and we're expected to resolve this before the end of the, the contract period, which is December 31st. The total members for the county that was utilizing Tenant Hospital in the last 12 months of the contract affected was 6.4 of your membership. The potential total membership impact in the event that Boca would not come to an agreement is 0.9%, so way less than, less than 8%. If you look at the contract that was executed and one of the provisions for the 2017 contract, it talks about more than 10% would be considered disruption. It is important to note that members have access to any hospital in our in or out of network in the event of an emergency. Moving to a new carrier would cause greater member disruption and would also result in member confusion, especially under the proposed short time less than 30 days for this transition and the holiday season. With a new plan administrator, members will be contacting different customer services and staffing and will not receive their ID cards in time for the new system. There may be interruption of case management and health 
coaching programs. As you know, we've made significant progress with the wellness program here at the county. And network access to existing providers may be disrupted. This you includes access to Quest diagnosed, Diagnostics and LabCorp, as not all carers have both in their network and highly utilized by Your the timer county. didn't start, but I'm letting you know you have 30 seconds left. Sure. In closing, I ask the commission to reevaluate the process and, and take the necessary steps to reach an agreement on this decision. Thank you. Okay, the next speaker is George Platt. It's ready. Your two minutes. Wow. I, I can't stop it when I do the yeah, two minutes. I'm telling you. So somebody in the back will have to come and yeah, fix the George bell. Yeah, George Platt on behalf of Humana. Um, I'll reset I'm it. I'm quite frankly, and uh, I've told Ms. Henry this, I'm shocked and disappointed at the uh, action and the process uh, that's unfolded uh, to lead to this uh, uh, unilateral termination by one party uh, without the commission weighing in on it at all after the commission itself approved the contract. Under 21.39 of your procurement code, emergency procurements, this is very rarely used, and I've been hanging around here a lot longer than any of you, and I can tell you, I've never seen it done, but particularly on a contract of this significance. Uh, it requires a threat to the public health, welfare, and safety of the county. It requires a process to be followed. There is no threat to the health and welfare of the county. There is no emergency. Okay, I offered a week ago today in a conversation with Bertha Henry to work with her if, in fact, the decision was to terminate and go through a smooth process. It might take 60 to 90 days in which we would continue to provide service, but there is no emergency. We've, our contract says 10% would be disruption. We're at 6.4% if we lose tenant, okay? So we're not at, uh, at or anywhere near 10%. Uh, in addition, the contract with United was negotiated in the dark, no notices of meetings, no sunshine notices, no sunshine meetings, no logging of contact between county staff and United. Nobody, including you, knew anything about what was going on in terms of those meetings, and certainly we didn't have access to those meetings. Uh, this is not the way, this is not the North Broward Hospital District. This is not the way to do business. And I got a big problem with it, and you should too. You know, we've worked very hard on this contract. We take it very, very seriously. Uh, and our view is that, quite frankly, having a contract negotiated, signed, before we even get a notice of termination is not right, and it should not be allowed to happen. And oh, by the way, from our perspective, we've solved most of those issues that Ms. Henry was concerned about, as was indicated by Giselle, Moreover, um, you know, Humana is one of those companies that continues up. to provide participation in the ACA exchanges. Thank United you. does not. They've withdrawn from Thank them. you, Mr. Platt. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, the next person that had signed up is Mr. Brian Garrison from United Healthcare for questions only. I'm going to put your speaker card to the side. Um, the next person in queue is Mike Driscoll from Aetna. Mike Driscoll from Aetna, followed by Kathy Aguirre. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'll be brief. I don't think I'll hit the two minutes. Um, outside looking in from an Aetna perspective, but when we 
uh, heard about the movement from Humana to United <laughs> Healthcare, our jaws all kind of dropped. I think I would echo emotionally the sentiments that were just shared from a, how we do things in the open. Um, but I think more importantly, if, if it were an emergency situation in the way that's been described, I think a lot of the facts that I've already heard shared wouldn't really bear out. And ultimately for me, it's about fairness. And it's about if this is the direction, if, if it is that emergency a situation, then I think it behooves all of us to step back and say, wait a second, this much changed from May till now? What else has changed? Should we really look at the entire process? You know, in a sense, you know, all cards on the table, inviting everyone back in because things have changed at Aetna. Things have changed at United. And so if the process was that flawed to, to have to make these decisions so late, then maybe we should really reevaluate the entire process. Um, those are kind of my sentiments. I really appreciate everyone taking the time to come together and listen to everyone on this. So thank you very much. The next person to speak is Kathy Aguirre. Good morning, Mayor, Vice Mayor, staff, and Board of County Commission. My name is Kathy Aguirre, and I'm the Vice President of Client Services for Aetna. I want to start off by saying is the good news is you no longer have disruption that you anticipated with Humana as they were able to come to terms with the majority of their challenges. However, if you decide that what they have done is not sufficient, we really encourage you to look at all bidders, not just arbitrarily make a decision to negotiate with one carrier and not have it in the sunshine. I do want to point out a couple facts. During the scoring process, there were three carriers that were finalists, Aetna, Umana, and UHC. The point system was very tight. Aetna scored 426 points, Umana scored 429.85, and United scored 428.45. While Aetna scored the lowest price carrier, procurement scores the pricing component. However, understood it was a fair process. However, because the scoring was so tight, if you feel that Humana has not cured, which it sounds like they have, then we encourage you to do the right thing and negotiate with all the parties, um, which would include Humana as well. Um, so that's all I have to share with you. Thank you very much for your time. And I want to point out one more thing. In summary, in order to maintain the integrity of the procurement process for the public sector, please bear in mind that every provider out there is watching. If we allow the providers to continue to negotiate and push the envelope to get plan sponsors to make changes, your prices are going to go up. This is what doctors want to see. This is what hospitals want to see. You make changes because you can't come to terms. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, then the final person I'm going to call again is Brian Garrison from United Health. Do you really do you want to speak or you want to just wait? Only if there's questions. Okay. With that, I'm going back to this dais. The first person I have in queue is Commissioner Bogan. Uh, my first question goes to our county attorney, uh, brought by uh, 
George Platt uh, on the legality of what we're doing. I'd just like you to hone in on, on whether this does qualify as an emergency and take it from there. I'd be happy to do that. First of all, there are three ways to address the problem of a lack of um, satisfactory array of providers. Um, one is to terminate or cancel a contract that has not even um, uh, been commenced yet for uh, convenience. That takes 30 days. This could not come to the board um, before this meeting, and now you have less than 30 days. We'd be going into January before your termination for convenience would be, um, would be, uh, would take effect. Second, um, you can terminate for cause because the contract represented that a certain array or range of providers and health services would be provided, but that is um, of tremendous detriment to Humana because if you are terminated for cause from a county contract, then there are restrictions and prohibitions on your participation in subsequent procurements. So what's left is an emergency contract. I am personally satisfied that legally this qualifies as an emergency. Understand, please, that Humana represented for some time that this range of providers would be available. Very, very late notice came to staff, it's my understanding, um, that this range of providers would not be provided um, under our contract. Staff did engage with negotiations with Humana. I received notice of those negotiations. Unfortunately, here on December 6th, there still hasn't been a satisfactory um, array of providers um, provided by Humana. You heard one of the speakers themselves say that um, they're still negotiating today. And second, I have reviewed some of the purported rescissions of the terminations by the hospital providers and medical groups. Some of those are conditional. They are not a final rescission. So you're faced with a situation today in which um, you have very little time, um, and, and the procurement system, I, I have to say this, this is exactly the procurement that was engaged in over the summer. There's nothing wrong with this. Just as if the county um, had never entered into a contract with Humana or had reached impasse, then you go to the second, um, second highest uh, score. And in this case, that's United. So I believe that this is entirely lawful. Okay. That's my question. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner LaMarca. to say this but this sucks this whole process we did this five years ago and I, I have to say after having having listened to mr. Platt um, Ms. Henry I, I, I trust you unequivocally with, with a lot of these issues when we ask you to represent us but I didn't sign on that if something's not broken go fix it and the numbers don't show I don't see the numbers show an emergency um, if there was a gap in coverage, I can Mayor. understand that. Um, this is exactly as Mr. Platt said, makes us look like we're operating like the entity that was here earlier, uh, not in the sunshine. And we don't do that. We don't have any meetings that aren't in the sunshine unless they're noticed shade meetings and, and procurement is indeed not that. This procurement from day one in this of healthcare, this go around, um, it's inconsistent at best. Uh, I don't believe that when I asked for a description of, so why did we go back and do a best and final when it was Humana and Coventry last time? I was told, well, you were coming off a selection committee. This was 2011. The ethics ordinance had just uh, been put in. And we were 
uh, not on the selection committees anymore. I don't think there's a required learning curve for commissioners to not be on selection committees. I was never on one, Barbara was never on one, Dale was never on one, all the other commissioners as well. Nobody up here was on one. But yet we still went out and we said, all right, this looks great, but let's do a best and final. Now I've done public work for most of my life in construction, and when you put in a sealed bid, that is it. You don't get another opportunity to go back and put in your quote unquote best and final. Hey, it's great for the taxpayers. We got the best deal, right? We got one, whatever, $1.2 million off or whatever it was. But that's not what, what these folks signed up for. That's not what Aetna showed up for. That's not what Humana or United Healthcare showed up for. Um, they showed up to, to address the issues and the evaluation procurement, and they studied that. And they all spent probably six figures putting this together. And here, here we sit at the end of the year wondering what to do. And I don't think we're being represented properly by saying, well, we're just going to make a change. I, I can give you critiques and, and uh, compliments about all three companies. I've, I think we've all probably had each one of them at some point in our careers, uh, private or public. And the bottom line is this is about access. It's about service. It's about quality of care. And I think we have three of the best companies out there. I don't think that's the issue. The, the other issues um, that I see is if we can't extend – with our current carrier and be fair to all three car uh, carriers and come back and say, all right, let's do this the right way, let's do it over. Um, we're, we're shortchanging ourselves in the, in the you know, more than 12,000 recipients of this through employees and families. Um, if anyone thinks that insurance and healthcare is gonna stay the same after January 20th, you're out of your freaking minds. You're absolutely out of your minds. We've got a merger that's in the, in the works. There's going to be, if we just look at what we have here, we'd have two companies, not one, or not three. I'm ha I am f absolutely fine with giving, giving them the, the authority to extend or working something out to extend with Humana, but I want to see this whole thing go back out. I don't think it's fair. Um, pricing, to, to go through all the process and then say, well, pricing isn't factored in until the end. Well, I'm sorry. That's how we pick the company we have now, on pricing, best and final. So... There's inconsistencies at best. Um, we need to go back to the drawing board on this. I would say ex extend, what, extend what we have so that we can get through the first quarter of next year and we should procure it again. Mayor. Yes, Ms. Henry. When you look at this situation, you're going to have to look at it in a time frame. So Mr. Um, Platt is correct. He talked with me um, at the conclusion of the meeting November 28th. At that time, he indicated to me that we're working on it. We're close. We've made some agreements. We've, so everything in my, what I took from that conversation was we were close. Um, we were, we've worked it out, but we had no documentation, nothing specific that says these things were put to bed. So here we are. If we go back to the process on September, in the, uh, September 21st, I believe, whatever the date was, September 15th, we entered into this agreement with Humana, and, they, and correctly they identified that they were in negotiations with tenant hospitals. Uh, we were, we took that into consideration, wasn't real happy about that because, quite frankly, in um, the last go-round, we lost the Baptist hospital system, and it created a major hole in the service for our employees who work in Miami-Dade or the southern part 
of our county. And so that created a concern for us, but they ended up with tenant to sort of fill that, that gap. And so to tell us that, well, now we're in negotiations with tenant, it made us uncomfortable. At that time, um, I'm assuming that they were aware that they were in negotiations with the, with the Holy Cross uh, group, but we were not made aware until sometime subsequent until the mid-October. Now, we're in the middle of um, open enrollment. Our employees are making decisions about their health care, and as you know, there's nothing more personal than their health care. Uh, we were advised that they were in negotiations. To this day, I'm, what, I was show, what I was shown and what was communicated to me that there are some caveats to whether that item is still, com is, is still in closure. They've indicated today that the, the hospital group um, out of um, Boca, because again, some of our employees um, live uh, in Palm Beach, the southern part of Palm Beach, we had gaps. To my knowledge, that hadn't come to closure. Um, there, were, there are a lot, yes, they're in the process of negotiating, but they did not bring these issues to closure at a time when, come January 1, our employees needed to uh, know who their health care providers, whether they're the doctors, their hospitals, or any of the ancillary services. We were in a state of flux. This isn't about, for me, whether or not Humana has been a good partner. I think Humana, um, as you all have indicated, they're all. They, they, they provide a, a service to our community. So it wasn't an evaluation of whether they were a good partner or they provided the service. This was about what was best uh, for our employees. I didn't have an opportunity to do a do-over. If we had to make, if we were going to make a decision, we needed to know who, that, who they were because if we needed to make a change, I still have a short window to tell those employees we now have a, a network that has a larger um, um, network of doctors and uh, hospitals and nation co nationwide coverage, et cetera, give them the opportunity to make a change should they do so, because many of them had to make a choice on based on what was available to them. So um, there, I could get it now that their attorney is here and, and the attorney uh, has indicated that um, um, they've been brought in to look at whether this was um, is an emergency situation. Um, I think that conversation, um, there's a lot, uh, there's some additional information I'm, I'm happy to share. I'm going to have um, our consultant and, and Mr. Kelleher come to the podium. Um, if, you, if you can come to the podium. And again, I think that we need to be very clear. When I met with this board at our workshop on health care, you said to me, you, we, you accomplish your objectives, uh, administration, with respect to saving money. Yes, we did save money. You accomplish your objectives by, um, with the administrative changes that are moving you towards the Affordable Care Act. But you, it was what you did came at the expense and on the back of the employees. And we want you to go fix that. So I was guided by that conversation. And for this organization to prioritize um, this discussion that we're having with Humana in its state of flux, for me, did not place the employees' needs and desires 
and requirements to the forefront. If I have missed anything in this conversation that you deem pertinent, particularly as it relates to whether or not we, are, we have finalized agreement with tenant, if we've finalized agreements with any other entity, are we still, as, as far as I'm concerned, in a state of flux? Kevin Kelleher, uh, Deputy CFO. Uh, yes, I would agree with the uh, County Administrator Henry on this. As what we know here today is that Tenant Hospital, they are, are still meeting with, actually they use the word discussions, sometimes negotiations, they, there has been no agreement that we are aware of. Uh, Florida Women's Care Group, they have uh, conditional rescission of the termination of the contract letter. They, uh, the termination of contract is a letter that they received from the providers saying that they're gonna be terminating the contract. They received that based on the information we have back in July uh, of, of this year. Um, they've reached a tentative agreement, but the, the conditional rescission of that letter says that it's conditioned on them coming to terms at, by January 1st, so it's still a tentative agreement. Uh, Holy Cross Hospital, um, they've rescinded their termination of contract letter again, but it's still pending finalization. Boca Raton Regional Hospital, the information that we have is still negotiating, and during our follow-up with them, uh, they indicated that they're still, they're in active negotiations with Broward Health. So based on there being some volatility going on uh, with the network and the concern and the time frame that we had, um, the decision you know, was, was made to move forward with that. Uh, with respect to the, the, the best and final offer, I, 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 don't, I, I don't wanna confuse the situation. Humana was selected and their contract was approved on September 15th. When, when we decided, we, did, uh, when we realized that we had to do something, we went to the number two ranked firm. And, you know, in this in this situation, when we went to the number two ranked firm, we realized that some of their charges and, and was was different than what we were receiving from Humana. So we went to them to see if they would match those cheaper rates. So that's how it came about. So it wasn't like they got a a restart. We already had a contract in hand with Humana, and we just asked the number two firm to meet the rates there. So it wasn't to redo it and to redo the whole process. I... Ms. Henry, if I, if I could. I, Please. I'm not, I'm not debating whether we go to the number two, but how did we go to the number two? I'm looking at a map for tenant, and other than Boca Raton, there's one facility in Broward County, or Broward County. Um, I understand that folks live in southern Palm Beach and northern Miami-Dade. I'm not debating that. But all, am I wrong that Broward Health, North Broward Hospital District, and Memorial Healthcare, South Broward Hospital District, are both fully covered under our plan with Humana. I understand you said that there were conversations, but are, is there any debate whether they're gonna be covered covered with Humana or not? There, There is, they're, they're both covered, currently covered by Humana as they are by United, as they probably are by Aetna as well too. Our understanding through our recent conversations with Humana is that they are in active negotiations with, with Broward Health. But as I said before, are, are, I mean, has, has anybody missed the news in the last month? I mean, I think this is all in, this is all in conversation. This is all in negotiation. Right now, all we can do is what's in front of us right now. That's, how, that's what we're buying. We're buying what's covered, and we're covered by Broward Health. We're covered by Memorial. Um, we're currently covered by Holy Cross or having conversations. Um, I, I, I don't know how we go from if that's not the case, why, how we don't look at it and say, we need 90 
to 120 days and we need to redo it. Here's the thing. If it's not really an emergency, then why do it? If it is an emergency, then we need to throw the three, we need to re-procure it. I, that's, your, your points are, are, are fine and I'm not questioning your, your process with it, but it just doesn't look right through it the last day. And it's an, emer it's an emergency because it's in front of us. I don't know that if, if, uh, if, if the folks from Humana state that we still are, have, still have coverage there, that, uh, that there is an emergency. So if it's either in front of us an emergency or they're saying it's not, let's, we can get to the bottom of it. We can do it in public too in the sunshine. Is that it, Commissioner LaMarca? Okay. So, Commissioner Geller is next in queue. Just, just a question. No, a question for you. Yeah. Madam Mayor? Yes. Okay. yes thank you. Um, the uh, reason I think we're in emergency is simply because of the time that we have January 1st open enrollment, so we've got uh, less than four weeks. My question is uh, some of the people from Humana have argued, and they may be correct, and I'm, I don't know, I'm trying to elicit information here as an, as a, from a legal point of view as an attorney, um, that they keep talking about there's a 10% threshold which would constitute an emergency if 10% of the system or 10% of the, I guess, providers um, are not covered or affects 10% of the uh, patients. Um, you have mentioned that some of the potential rescissions are conditional, and I believe Ms. Coffey had said that as well. If you include the ones that you don't have sufficient confidence have been put back on, and if you're including also, I was told there was a very large group of OBGYNs, three or four hundred of them. Where are we on that 10% number? I mean, do we, have we exceeded 10, that 10% number or have we not? Or is it not clear because some of the uh, hospitals and or other providers may or may not be on, have given you provisional uh, letters indicating that they might be on, but that's subject to fulfillment of certain conditions subsequent or precedent. If you have, right now as we sit here, we have tenant hospitals, from our understanding, is there currently they're out. That's at 6.4%. We have Boca Raton Regional that's scheduled to leave in December 31st, and they're still negotiating. So, so the, as far as you're so concerned, they're now not. Now you're at 73 the, you have the Florida Women's Care Group, that's the one with the conditional uh, rescission of the contract um, termination letter, which means that they still have terms to work out by January 1st. That's another 4.5%. So that gets you to 11.8. So under and then, and then Holy Cross, even taking Holy Cross as being done, uh, you're, you're at 11.8. Madam Chair, just a quick follow-up. Yes. So you're but, saying that... And the Broward Health, if Broward Health comes into it, now they're in active negotiation. There's no termination of coverage letter. Um, so they're, you know, we haven't calculated that. If they were in play here, then that would be a totally different story. Of course. But right now you're saying that in your opinion, the ones that are not firmly committed exceed the 10% threshold. Is that correct? That are not firmly committed. Correct. And... You've I, answered my question. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Mayor. 
Thank you. The next person in queue. That's it. You guys are good? Bogan? Yes? All right. So at this time, do you have um, a motion on item number 37? Second. And that motion is for which one, A or B? A and B? A and B? Okay, so you have a motion on A and B to accept staff's recommendations to immediately cancel the, the contract with Humana Health Plan and to provide for an emergency procurement of the United Healthcare Services to provide the employees health insurance benefits. I had a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Absolutely not. Okay, let the record show. Place? I have. <laughs> it passes eight, no? eight to one. Okay? All righty. So that disposes of item number 37. At this time, we have item number 39 nominations appointing county commissioners to board or authorities and agencies. Um, I had. I, I think we, we need the motion to extend, Mayor, no? Okay, all in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Okay, let the record show that that passes unanimously. Item number 39, Commissioner Ryan, you pull this. My concerns addressed. Okay, thank you. I also pull it. And Commissioner Furr, um, you pulled 14, but you want to talk on 39? 39. He did? I did. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Um, I think there's one space left on NPO. There's five. There's one. There's one space left on MPO, you, you said? Still still available. And, and you would like to do it? I think so. Sure. All right. no. is, is everybody okay with that? Can we? Just I, let's make sure we're clear on it. It says on, on the MPO it's four Ryan. members. I know. My understanding now is that it beat when they expanded it, it went to five. Oh, no. We didn't agree to that. But, but, but yeah. they've, they've already they, added. They... The MPO um, expanded the the number of members, but this that issue never came before the county commission for a vote. So the county commission did not agree with that expansion in the number of members. In fact, that in fact that issue has been discussed. Um, wait, can I just through the chair, please? The county commission did discuss that. We said that the MPO did not have the authority, in our opinion, based on what our county attorney said, to expand. Um, an additional member of this board or to make us um, obligated to show up there. Right. So there was, they wanted five, and this board said that we thought that the existing membership was enough. Um, I need to ask Ms. So Coffey if, if we can. You can correct and Mayor, me, Mayor, you Ms. are Coffey. correct. The way, it was, the way you stated it, you were it, correct. But it, is it okay if we do that? You are correct that the interlocal agreement has never been amended to change the membership. The current membership under the existing interlocal agreement includes four commissioners. You could, you could, you could um, provide an alternate. Okay. So I will provide an alternate then. I'm, I'm not so worried about the alternate. I just, if, but I, what I am concerned with is if they're expanding on, if they're going through with the expansion, and it puts us at a. That's what I'm. That's what I'm concerned with. They, they already did. In now, fact, in fact, Commissioner Bogan raised this issue at an MPO meeting, and I believe my recollection is the uh, the MPO executive director stated that because the issue of expansion came up at an MPO meeting, and the one member of the county commission 
that was present at the meeting in which the issue was discussed did not vote against the expansion, that the, the MPO uh, assumed that that was the they, agreement or assent of this whole of this entire body, which they know seemed, they did. They couldn't because I don't. Okay, but I had already said when I was president of the MPO that that wasn't the case. So I don't think they can make that assumption. Um, I had Commissioner Lamarca first, now then Commissioner Udine. Just for the obvious, well, number one, Greg Stewart has told me directly that you, we have an extra spot, right? That's 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 directly from the from the executive director of the MPO. Why are, and Commissioner Ryan, you're the SFRTA representative, right? Right, correct. So do you count, so. I count as one of the four. Okay, so it's been said that, we have, that we'd have an additional spot. Why, why are we arguing that we, why wouldn't we support that we would have an additional one? Didn't, didn't the whole transportation penny sales tax issue make you say I want a little more representation on the MPO? Do we not? But it's already happened. It, it, they expanded their board, We're but we don't. The battle that has already won. Well, no, we don't have to participate in that. We don't have to participate in that. Uh, our county attorney issued an opinion that they didn't really have the right to expand that board to include an additional county commissioner. If they expanded it, that's fine. But we are okay. participating. Okay, in so how many board. how many did they expand the existing board citywide, you know, municipal municipal wise? Six, five or six members? I believe it was an additional four or five members that were expanded. So the idea was uh, on the MPO's proposals, an additional four or five municipal members and one additional county commissioner. And, and have they had meetings since then with additional municipal members? <clears throat> Look, I'm, I'm commissioner Bogan raised a standing objection to the validity of the expansion of the board at an MPO meeting. Okay, and, and that's great. And that's good legalese, but if they've got five more members and they've been operating with five more members, we're, we're, we are losing representation and, and a voice. I am kind of, I, I, at least at one point I was banned from being on the MPO because the mayor at the time thought I was going to toll all the roads uh, in Broward County. <laughs> you? Yes, ma'am. Mr. No Tax? See, I'm telling you, go call no, Kristen. No, but seriously. No. <clears throat> no why, listen, why wouldn't we want additional? What, toll? If we're, if we're at the... <laughs> If we're at the point where we're, where we have less of a voice, why wouldn't we have more of a voice? At least in the meantime, while we're debating it legally. I mean, I look, I would support Commissioner Fur or anybody who wants to go. In. Yeah. The interlocal agreement clearly requires every member to consent before they can change the number of members. My concern has persistently been if a vote of the NPO can change provisions of the interlocal agreement with regard to membership, they can change any provision of the interlocal agreement without your consent. So I, am, I remain concerned about the um, self-expansion of the NPO. doesn't mean you can't, all the commissioners can go to the meetings. Um, can we just um, go ahead and move forward since we're already in, in tw uh, past 1230? I'll just add Commissioner... Um, Vice Mayor Fur as an alternate onto this um, list, and then we can debate it at a different time. Okay? All right, so at this time, can I have a motion for the item as amended? Move it. Second. All those in favor of item number 39, signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. Okay, at this point in time, the, um, item number 40 is going to take an, a, um, an a extensive amount of time to get through. 
One, because I've already got um, eight speakers signed up, and two, because I know that based on the questions from the board members here, that we're gonna have some discussion on this item. So if it's possible, can we come back and take this up after um, we've taken up our workshop? We're going into a workshop, so if we start late on the workshop, I mean, I don't... You guys okay with that? I don't think you guys are wrong. I just need a, a motion, motion then to motion, extend... Motion to yeah. extend to the end, to the of, end item of item 40. 40. Okay. Just, just ask Do those I have a second? Speak, those who ask to speak, ask Mayor them to Ryan, brief. can you please turn off your mic and let me run the meeting? Okay, so what I would like to do is get a second on item number... I just need a second on the second. item... Okay, all those in favor of extending the meeting until the end of item 40, signify by saying aye. 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 Thank you. Okay, okay, so now I'm going to call the public speakers. The first speaker is John Millage. Guys Thank are you, Mayor like John outrageous. Uh, here okay, on so, behalf of Chris Prasad. I'm going to move along as quickly as possible. Well, I need to ask you a question before yes, I start your yes, timer. Yes, are you the person that's going to do the PowerPoint presentation? Because I have a PowerPoint presentation that was presented. Yes, myself and Chris, but we're going to move along very quickly. There's a number of slides, but we'll just use a couple of them. So, okay, yes, the, we're going to use The gentleman it. in the back needs to know when to cue it. Yeah, cue it so up now. So can we cue it now? Yeah, yeah, cue it up now. Okay, so can you please cue up the slide presentation? Um, Mr. Millage, I did promise you the three minutes to go Thank ahead and so get much, through Mayor. your slide presentation. So I'm going to change this back to um, three and reset it. And I don't even think I'll need the and, three minutes. I'll move as quickly as possible. And, and, and Mayor, while you're doing that, I know we have okay. some, some legends of cricket and other supporters. Would, could they move to the front row, please? I think they're probably all speaking because so, it's eight speakers. Okay. They'll speak briefly, yeah, but they'll be, they'll be brief. They're just here to show support. Mayor? Like me to start, Mayor? Uh, Mayor, we're here to talk about taking the Central Regional Park to the next level. Uh, Chris Broussard is a successful local businessman and a lifelong lover of cricket and wants to take the significant business risk to exp uh, and expend the capital necessary to attract uh, big-time tournaments in the park. Uh, you've got a facility that you spent approximately $70 million on approximately 10 years ago, and the vision for the facility was, was that it would showcase and attract international cricket tournaments on a regular basis uh, from countries such as India, Pakistan, England, Australia, New Zealand, in the Caribbean, amongst others, and be another tourism driver for Broward County. Um, there's been a few tournaments there to date. I think there's been four total in the 10 years, but I don't think it has met the return on an investment that was expected for the facility. Um, in 2013, the county commissioned a business plan. That's just the, the, um, the first page of it. And at the top of the list, the, the business plan recommended that you target international cricket games as really the main driver um, for the facility. Um, and it also recommended that significant marketing and business development resources uh, were, were needed to make that happen. The county staff and the Parks Department have done a good job running and maintaining this facility. It's a, it's a beautiful stadium and, and park. But these types of international events are not going to show up on a consistent basis and, and, unless really you have a private group that um, will chase these 
events on a regular basis, much like the BB&T Center with the concerts and shows. Um, the, the private sector is necessary to pursue these, to take the upfront capital risk that is required. And, and on these tournaments, expenses can commonly exceed up to a $1 million, uh, per uh, event. So that's really not the business that the county is in to, to take that, that kind of risk. That's really a private sector risk. So what is being proposed is minimum deliverables of three major tournaments per year. As I mentioned, there's only been four in the last 10 years. So Mr. Prasad is confident that he can drive a minimum of three. He's going to target five. Um, and he will uh, guarantee revenues to you and secure that up front with, with a letter of credit that, that, he'll, that he'll guarantee. Uh, the current cricket users, there's some local cricket users that are, that are there. Um, and they're, they're um, events that are more of a few hundred at a time. They could stay. Um, in addition, the county can manage that, continue to manage that facility for other activities like soccer and the other things that you want to drive there. We're not, we're, we're not asking to preclude that in any, in any respect. So in summary, uh, Chris Broussard is stepping forward to take the risks necessary to realize the dream for this facility. However, in the field of cricket, it's very narrow, and there are very few that possess the knowledge, interest, and wherewithal to take on this venture. So what we're asking you today is to let us know if you, um, if you like this concept and you want us to pursue it. Um, and with that, Mayor, I'd like to turn it over to Chris Prasad to uh, talk more about his proposal. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Mr. Prasad? Good afternoon, uh, Commissioners. Um, I believe John has um, explained it, uh, uh, quite a bit on, on, on my background and, um, and my interest um, in cricket. Um, I was born and raised in the Caribbean and have a deep passion uh, for the sport. I, um, I'm in a broad county for, for over uh, 15 years, and um, I house uh, over 10,000 uh, people there. Um, and I know uh, the community. I, um, I believe that, that um, um, I, I also employ um, about 100 people. Um, um, I believe I can do more uh, for the community by, by, um, by bringing the, the, the potential of this, of this uh, facility to its full um, potential. Um, 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 I want to be the the, the lead in in um, the business uh, development of the stadium. There's there's a substantial uh, uh, capital that that is that is needed to be uh, put to risk, and I have the wherewithal um, um, to do it. I have the business um, interest um, at heart, and um, as a matter of fact, I already started uh, talking to uh, um, several. Um, um, clubs from uh, different uh, territories, and um, they, they all um, express um, interest. But for me to to, to um, get on their uh, schedule, um, um, I need a decision on um, some kind of um, you know licensing um, um, agreement with, with with the deliverables that um, that John um, called out. Um, time is of the essence as this is the end of the year and if we were to, to do uh, um, events in 2017 I need to get in front of these boards John also um, 
um, did not uh, mention that um, you know I am uh, uh, pursuing um, one of the teams um, from the CPL to um, to embed them here and to make this their home, uh, and I believe that's that's one of the the, the goals that I was called out um, in the business plan. I have the means to do it. There are several million dollars that, that would have to be um, invested. Um, and and um, I think um, I can get this done. I, would, I have a few um, uh, cricket uh, legends here. And um, Lawrence Rowe, uh, um, Sarwan. Uh, I also have the, the, uh, the president of uh, Lauder Hill uh, Chamber of Commerce and some other um, local uh, vendors who would like to um, expound um, a little more on this. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, the next, the next uh, person to speak, I think it's Maria Monroe, followed by Lawrence Rowe. Good afternoon, um, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners. First, thank you. We are pleased at the Chamber for uh, the attention that Central Brower is receiving through this sport of cricket. Um, again, my name is Maria Monroe, and I come in representation of the Lauder Hill Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we believe that a local company managing the stadium uh, cricket sport is in the best interest of Central Broward and our community. Um, just to give you a little example, during our last experience with uh, India versus West Indies, several vendors as of today have not received full payment uh, for their services that they provided. We feel that uh, the community in Central Broward will benefit immensely from local management, cost effective, uh, which will encourage other cricket promoters to come in and uh, bring other games, uh, streamlining the process, and of course the economic impact that will help our local businesses. Um, that company that was hired during the West Indies and India uh, was hired from California, so it's, it's new to our area. Why not have a local company that can have our best interest? Thank you. Okay, the next person is Lawrence Rowe. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Lawrence Rowe. I'm former international cricketer. We also have another colleague of mine here, um, Ramnari Sawan. We represent the Caribbean team mm -hmm. at the highest level of the sport. And I've been uh, living in South Florida here you know, for about 30 years. I don't know, for those commissioners who don't know much about the sport itself, cricket is the number two what sport in the world, second to only soccer. So the market is extremely big. Um, I myself, I run the Lawrence Rowe Foundation, and we have put on um, two international events at the stadium itself in uh, 2015 and 16. And I am here to show my full support behind Chris. I think he has the word all. And we will all be better off at the stadium if Chris gets this opportunity to do this. I mean, cricket is exploding now. Um, as I say, for those, those of you who don't know about the sport, we have uh, a shorter version of the sport, which has recently 
been going for about, about 10 years. And um, we feel that, it's, that is really geared towards the United States. And this market is going to be really big. So we're hoping that, you know, um, you guys would consider Chris so we can move forward with this and make it big here. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, the next person is Chandra, Chandra Moreau. Good afternoon, everyone. Like, um, my name is Chandra Maraj, and I, <laughs> it's okay. I actually represent one of the small business here locally in the community, and we were actually one of the vendors for that past game. And my reason for the presence here today is basically, you know, giving Chris to work with, um, working with Chris, it gives us more confidence to work with a local company. It's more face-to-face -face interaction. It's more trust. It's just overall a more secure sense to all vendors involved. And that's the reason why I'm here to voice my opinion, because we like to work with people, not entities. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. The next person to speak is Livingstone A. Wright, followed by... Michael Do you see that? I, I can. Mr. Livingstone A. Wright? No? He left? Okay. The next person, I cannot read your, your handwriting. I, I, Michael? The last name is Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E. Okay, and you have something else behind it? That's Michael Leslie. Okay, wonderful, Michael Leslie. I'm, I'm very happy to have you. Let me get this timer reset, and we'll get you going. I okay. Thank you. I, I greetings and good afternoon to everyone. My name is Mike Leslie, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm a local business owner for over 30 years. And for those who are not familiar with the cricket, in a nutshell, let me give an evaluation. South Florida, weather, great for the sport. It's probably so far that's the best weather throughout the entire United States. We have the infrastructure. We have the facilities. We all know it's great for tourism. For our local vendors, it's good. So I think we are lacking, we are missing one thing, one, uh, one main part of this puzzle. We are lacking a local management body. Someone who can go to directly, instead of calling someone way across, some zip code way across the United States to speak to someone. So I, I think you should give this a hard thought, give this some thought for uh, Chris. Uh, I am presently, I, I would embrace it, and I would love to see it, it happens uh, here in South Florida, a body that is managing here locally. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Okay, that concludes our audience participation for today. I have a queue. I have Geller, Fur, followed by Wholeness. Anyone on this side? Okay, ready? Commissioner Geller. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Thank you, Madam Mayor. If I can ask, I, I guess, Mr. Millage or Chris, to, I have a couple, just a couple questions. First, um, Mr. Millage, the, um, again, I'm, I'm very concerned, have been about, you know, creating jobs in Broward, want to be working on this. 
Um, frequently, when we have uh, events here, I'm not sure whether or not they bring in, we're just redirecting local uh, visitors from one, local residents from one function to another, or whether we're actually bringing in people from other locations, which is what we really want to do. Do you, my first question to you is, do you have any projections, numbers? I know we've had some prior tournaments here. Will we be bringing in, assuming that we sell the tickets, which I assume we will, to this, will we be bringing in people from outside of South Florida, or will this just be South Florida people choosing to go to a cricket match instead of a movie or the theater? It's a great question. The, the last event that occurred this year, my understanding is most of the folks that attended were from out of town. So conservatively, we're projecting 60% heads and beds, um, folks from out of town to okay. attend. Now, they believe that the last event was much higher than that. It was pushing. 90%. It could be pushing 90 percent. That seems very high, so I'm not going to stand here and say 90. 60 is a, a great number. BB&T Center is about 15 percent, so you right. just give you an order of magnitude, so it's a very high number. Okay. Follow up, Madam Mayor. Okay. Um, by the way, I, I'm sorry. Do I need to ask for permission for each question? No. Okay. Sorry. Reflex. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. Second question. Um, I, I think from everything I've seen, this, this sounds very good. Uh, my question is about worldwide. Um, is this an established entity? Is this something that you've set up just for this? Because what, what I'm seeing here looks very good. They're talking about the ability to lay out millions of dollars and bring people in. But of course, it's only as good as the entity that stands behind it. So, so basically, this is really Chris Persard. He's created this entity for purposes of this venture, just like he created a real estate company uh, for his units when he created two insurance companies. So this is really him. And so we'd work with you on whatever assurances you need. That's why we're really presenting this, not as a worldwide, which is really an, an entity that he's utilizing to conduct this. It's really about him directly um, and whatever assurances that you would need for him uh, to, to give you the comfort level, he's prepared to do that. Okay, Madam Mayor, I yes. would only ask uh, to the administrator that assuming that this goes forward and I'm comfortable with this going forward, I would want you to be negotiating assurances that we have a contract not just with the shell company, but that there's someone that's actually standing behind that that has the ability to make the payments that would be promised here. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Thank you, Commissioner Geller. The next person in queue is Commission Vice Mayor Fur, followed by Commissioner Holness. Thank you. Um, I assume a couple of you guys there have the secret to throw in the googly, right? Right, and you, and you can share that with us. Uh, yeah, but they'd have to kill you if they did. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, two things. One, I want to make sure that this isn't displacing any of the local clubs during the time, or if there's enough demand. That's my main concern. No, the, the use of the, uh, the facility by all the local uh, people will, will remain the same. Terms will remain the same. Okay, so there's plenty, there's plenty of capacity for this. Oh, yes. That's uh, what I'm asking. Well, okay. But the locals don't, don't uh, bring more than a couple, four, five hundred people. That's, that's the limits that... Uh, but you're not displacing them. In other words, to do this, you're not displacing them from the days that they want to use it. Absolutely not. Thank okay. you. Okay, that's that's my main concern because I want to see this be successful. Ever since the parks bond is, you know, ever since it's been built, I think all of us have wanted to see this actually really come to fruition. 
And if this is a way that it's actually going to come to fruition, I can support this. And, and to one point, uh, to, to Commissioner uh, Geller's uh, uh, question, <clears throat> when, when these international games are being played here, um, there's, there's, a there's a huge number of um, um, eyeballs um, on Broward County. Um, uh, when India played uh, the West Indies uh, three or four months ago, there were like 100 million people watching from India. So. And all of them know how to throw googly, but we don't. <laughs> okay, thanks. No, I'm, I'm going to support this. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Holness? Yes, the, the googly play, uh, throw is not here. That was Lance Gibbs. Oh. Uh, and, and, and in terms of your question, uh, in displacing the local, the stadium has two additional play fields that is usually used. This is the stadium. So there's, there's two places that they usually play their weekends and evening games uh, with, with, with artificial, artificial uh, turf, the pitch. It, there's no, the stadium have the, 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 the wicket already okay. in place is what, what it's called. Can you uh, throw a googly? <laughs> I, I have tried. <laughs> I wanted to be like Lance Gibbs when I was a kid, but uh, that didn't happen. Uh, this is long in coming. My support for, for the stadium, uh, many of you know, uh, goes back to days even prior to being elected to the city of Lauderdale. I supported the stadium being built because I believe that it could have strong economic impact on the community. Okay. The city of Lauderdale actually gave up quite a bit of uh, land in order to make this happen. So the taxpayers uh, of Lauderdale lost revenues doing this. We need to ensure that they're benefiting from it. Okay. I'm, let, let, oh, would you? No, 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 I was saying okay to him because oh. he raised his hand. Okay. All, right. All right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> don't raise your hand anymore. Uh, I don't she's recognized you, okay? I believe we have consensus, <laughs> Commissioner Holness. All right, so let me, let, me, let me just, let me just uh, uh, add that the economic opportunity that will be created here will be huge for Broward County. In 2012, uh, when this commission gave me the opportunity to, to actually have a game there uh, with the West Indies playing uh, New Zealand, it was a $4.8 million economic impact on Broward County. Uh, these past two games have occurred, primarily because there are people promoting this. Myself, Mayor Richard Kaplan, and, and some others, but we've been the main promoters. We have not had a systematic way of promoting and bringing major cricket games here. They just happen because uh, myself and, and the mayor and others in the community, if you not an entity des designed for this, or parks people do a great job maintaining the facility, but in terms of them going out and promoting and bringing this about, it's, it's really not there. So okay. I urge you to support this, and what we're going to ask is that we get staff directed to work with this entity to, entity to come up with an agreement. Bits and pieces from the strikers is in this, bits and pieces from uh, the Panthers is in it, so that they can make the investment necessary to benefit the people of Broward County. Okay, so this is my item. So I just wanted to clarify what we're doing here, okay? So I put this item on the agenda today because after meeting 
with um, the promoter, I felt like we needed a framework as to where to go. So the attachment that I put in this item, which is a draft agreement, is just a starting point for staff and the county attorney to start figuring out what a proposal would look like for them to run this park. Additionally, the top page of what I put onto the item is just an outline of what Mr. Prasad plans on bringing to the table. And the reason why I put the item on is because I believe that this gentleman is financially secure enough and stable enough to pull this off. And I think he has the connections to do that. That being said, I'm gonna recognize the county auditor for his input and then I'll go ahead and call the question. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, just a point of process, um, and it's a question the county attorney may answer, is do we have to waive our code to move forward with this item as presented since it appears to be a sole source without a solicitation? I was going to raise that with you, Mayor. Um, we would either need permission to waive the procurement code or ask um, the director of purchasing to investigate whether this is a sole source. It may well be, um, but we need those alternative directions in order to negotiate. And I, I would be open to that on my item as well. I would be open to that, and um, we can amend the item to include that um, we can approve it for the staff to negotiate with the, uh, the vendor, provided that procurement can um, come back and with the understanding that this is a sole source. Okay. And if it's not, then we'll need to prepare something to come back to this com county commission for uh, um, consideration. Well, Mayor. Yes, Commissioner Bogan. So I believe it would be proper, instead of a motion to discuss, I want to make a motion to amend to direct staff Correct. or the county attorney's office to enter into a, uh, an agreement, um, add your uh, just amendment to amend also to to waive the procurement code uh, or whatever. For okay, so the motion <laughs> was. Is a direction to staff? Direct okay. To, exactly what I said. To Go bring ahead. back a proposal before the county commission that would um, provide terms of an agreement and would either waive the procurement code or find, have a finding that it's a sole source. She took the words out of my mouth. Okay. We're making um, that motion wait a minute. to amend. So we have a queue. I have Commissioner Lamarca in queue, followed by Commissioner Ryan because he hasn't spoken, then followed by Commissioner Holmes. Thank you, Mayor. I thought when you kept saying okay, you were going to actually let me speak, but that's all right. <laughs> I, um, I crossed no, the line. I, I just so have one, one issue with this with the the concept and that is we had the opportunity to to hear more about this and it, it looks excellent my two things number one um there are negotiations going on and mr actually if i could ask mr millage to come up um we, there are negotiations going on is my understanding with the city of uh not the city, the city with the county i'm sorry with uh the strikers mm -hmm. And I just want assurances that this wouldn't affect, you know, their play if it's there, uh, some of the soccer leagues if they're there, just other access to the park. Yeah, we're negotiating this, contemplating there could be a soccer agreement. Now, I understand the city, there's an agenda item on the city commission agenda, I think tonight, to go in a different direction potentially. Um, but we, we're negotiating this with the understanding that you may have strikers there, so we have no issue when with When you that. say the city, you mean Fort Lauderdale? Fort Lauderdale, yeah. Okay, so they may rectify Lockhart or something? They may. Possibly. Okay. Um, the, only, the only thing I would, else I would say, thank you very much. Uh, the only thing else I would say is th this park has come under a lot of scrutiny when 80-something million dollars was put in to build it. Um, it is a world-class facility, especially now with cultural facility there, our library, a lot of 
property in and around the area, private property that could be developed. Um, my colleague's gonna get, yeah, give me a hard time here, but there, there's a term called a white elephant, and that's not me. That is a facility that sits and, and nothing happens with it. And that, that is not what this is. That is not what this should be. Shouldn't be labeled as such. This is a great facility and um, we should move, move forward and have the assurances we need to make sure that uh, great events like this are gonna be. I think Commissioner Homeless, I, I may have been the only other commissioner that was at the cricket match. And if you wanna know about cricket, talk to uh, Mayor uh, Kaplan, he'll tell you everything. Thank you. Commissioner Holness. Yes, I, I, the, the uh, item that I wanted moment, to address. I, I was going to speak first. Oh, yes, you are. Right. Sorry, Commissioner Ryan. Sorry, Commissioner Holness. I, I, I promise to be brief. Oh, so that's okay. The, um, the idea, if it's, if it's a sole source, then I understand um, the negotiations. What I'm nervous about is any idea of waiving the procurement code. I think that the, any waiver of the procurement code should only be done in extraordinary circumstances. To do it on a, on a routine basis, uh, I think establishes a bad precedent. Uh, what we could do is, if it's not, if if the purchasing director determines it's not a sole source, then maybe we could do a a, a truncated uh, RFP. So there's another couple ways to do it. So I don't want to I don't want to move forward with the idea that we're leading into a waiver of the procurement code. If you want to leave it on the table, that's okay. But I'd like to look at all alternatives. Okay, Commissioner Holness. I, I think, contrary to Commissioner Ryan, uh, what the what the county attorney suggested, I think is a route that we ought to go. Uh, because let, let me just give you some timeline, and thank you, Mayor, for supporting this. I've been talking to these folks for a very long time. I've been talking cricket for a long, long time. There's a window right now for us to be able to bring some major games here come March. This entity would be able to do that. If we don't, we're gonna be in a situation where we probably won't get, get that. And, and let me tell you about the window. There's the schedule for international cricket is set annually and, and, and usually done about 18 months in advance. So each major cricketing country knows where they're going. We have Pakistan about to tour the West Indies, which is how we got India this year because they were touring the West Indies. If they're not on that rotation and that schedule to be in the region, we might not be able to capture that opportunity. That opportunity is coming up maybe as early as March. If it's, if it's done, we're gonna be able to be in. In terms of uh, delaying, it's not in our best interest. We've had this facility for many years. In 10 years, no one has really come forward with a substantial amount of investment. And I've been out there. I've seen many come, many go, many promises, and nothing really materialized because they don't have the wherewithal in order to put this together. Here's someone who's willing to risk capital to guarantee us what our revenue has been and ensure that we get more than what we've gotten from this park. This is, this is substantial. Uh, an investment that is that is about to be made. I believe this is one of those extraordinary situations where we need to be prepared.
to waive the code if necessary in order to make this happen. So I, I, I would okay. support county the language the county, uh, the county attorney put forward. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Holness. County Auditor. It, it would be my understanding from the discussion that the staff would not bring back a waiver of the code without a compelling reason to do so. Right. There would have to be a business case to do that. So uh, I think the, the motion, motion that was made, was made. Was, I think yeah. that staff would be, it's incumbent upon staff to come back and advise the board whether or not it's appropriate to waive the code based on the research or whether it's sole source. So I think the issue would be coming, forthcoming. At least that would be my understanding. That may be a good recommendation. It was not the motion. Right. And I was simply trying to restate a commissioner's yeah. motion. I don't have a position yeah. okay. on this. I, Either I way. She did restate okay. the motion, but I think I'd said it before. So I'll, we, we can say it again. Would you like to restate the motion? Again? It was just a motion to direct staff to come back with a proposal so that we can move forward with this, uh, with this project. Okay, Madam Mayor, question? You want to change it? Wait, let, wait. Let, 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 let county the county attorney, attorney okay. would you like state to state it in the appropriate way. Well, I want to be sure now that I, I clarify it because I had understood the direction of right. the motion to be to direct staff to first investigate whether it's the sole source and um, if so, negotiate and bring a proposed agreement back, but even if it was not a sole source to negotiate an agreement with a recommendation for waiver of the code. If you, if, as Evan's Correct. saying, if you would rather us just come back to you in either event after the investigation of sole source, staff can certainly do that. Well, based on the time constraint, which is why I put this item on, and based on the fact that I knew that they needed to go after what they were going after, I think that the, the, the intent of this discussion was the first. Okay, so we're going to go with. I would like. I would like them to. Since it was my item, I guess I can go ahead and hand the gavel to uh, Vice Mayor Fur, and I'll go ahead and take over my discussion, which is that my intent of this motion was to give staff, the county administrator, the county attorney's office, a framework to start negotiations with Mr. Prasad's company. The other intent of my motion is to ask them to bring back, after finding out whether or not it's a sole source, bring back a draft agreement for this board to consider. And even if it is not a sole source, bring back a, a draft agreement anyway so that we can see if we want to go ahead and waive that at that time. Perfect. So that second. is the motion. We have a second. Okay, all those in favor of the <laughs> motion? Okay. Aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show that passage unanimously. You are not paying attention. All right. <laughs> okay, so I'm just messing with them. It's his first time having the gavel. What can I say? All right, so at this time, that disposes of item number 40. That ends our, concludes our agenda. I think that we have a workshop that is about 40, 38 minutes overdue. So can we go ahead and do that? Yes. Excuse, All right. Excuse me, Madam Mayor. Are, are oh, wait. We? I got one. Well, I have a point of order, a point of business. I need to make a clarification. On item number seven, uh, Commissioner Rich was in abstention. I just want to make sure that the record shows that she abstained from voting, and I believe it does, but I just want to make sure. Okay. And County Auditor. Will there be time later after the workshop to have a non-agenda discussion? Because we do, the, the administrator and I have an item that we need to have clarified. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so can we go ahead and do non-agenda right yes, now? Because we're not going to come back okay. here. All righty. County, county auditor or administrator, okay. which who wants to start first? We, had a, um, we have a bit of a disagreement between the administration and my office at this time. 
On November 15th, there was an item before the board to uh, approve the pay plan for uh, 2015 for the unrepresented employees. Mm -hmm. At that time, uh, I made a recommendation that the, the pay be based on pay for performance. Uh, yesterday, I was advised that there, can uh, we get, there's- Can you give one? Sure. Can you please leave the, um, the, the chambers, chambers quietly because we are, we're still conducting business. Thank you. County Auditor. Uh, at that time when the pay for performance was, uh, when the pay for the unreps was being discussed, I had a yellow sheet that recommended we do it on a basis of pay for performance, specifically saying if someone has a meets ex uh, expectations, they would get one rate of pay. Uh, someone who had a exceeds would receive a different rate of pay. Uh, I found out yesterday that uh, the process that's taking place uh, tomorrow, and this is why it needs to be discussed today according to the administration, the process today is that they're awarding unrepresented compensation across the board at 3%, which I believe is inconsistent with the action taken by the board. Um, in discussing this with the administrator last evening, um, she advised that that was not her understanding, and therefore we need to get a clarification from the board as what the intent was. Unfortunately, some of the board members who were here on November 15th are no longer with us, so <laughs> it creates a uh, little bit of a conundrum. And so, so with that. Yes, SE ended. No, I, I did. Uh, we haven't. And um, um, uh, I, as, you, as you may recall, I received um, this recommendation on the dais. And I am in full support of us having um, a compensation program that, that uh, rewards employees that, that exceed expectations. The way I read the item, it talked about bringing, um, having a plan um, to um, um, adopt a compensation policy that would award salary increases based on performance. So we have been in the process of developing what that would look like so that it is prospective and not retrospective. The auditor's expectation was that it would be now, um, as um, I mentioned during that discussion, 85% of the employees are represented by collective bargaining, most of which have already been covered. His item was specifically for the unrepresented, which is about 15% of the workforce. And I had some concerns about implementing a different um, policy for the unrepresented than I would for those that are represented in the bargaining unit. At least um, our goal was to, um, because all of our contracts um, are now subject to negotiations going into the year, we would give the union an opportunity to um, agree to participate or not um, in such a program. I don't know what the outcome of that would be, but my goal um, at this point was to bring you back um, an actual policy for your approval. And, um, and it was just, in, in my opinion, a misunderstanding about what he was, a, he was attempting, attempting to accomplish versus what I understood he wanted to do with this item. At this point, County Auditor? With respect to the issue of UMREBS, we have historically treated UMREPs differently than the labor unions. We have a lot of compensation uh, elements that address unrepresented people rather than unions. Unions individually negotiate their contracts. Some unions get 2%, some unions get 3%. That's subject to a different issue. The item before you on that day was the UNREPs for 2017. There was no discussion about a plan. If there were, I would have challenged management as I would today to tell me when that plan is going to take place because we do not have <clears throat> this issue was uh, in part discussed with the 
class and pay study in October of 2015, and they suggested it was very important to have a pay-for-performance policy. So if we are going to go down that road and it needs to take some, some time, then we certainly should establish a timeline and a commitment to do so. Uh, that didn't come up because the understanding of my office and the recommendation was it was for 2017. Um, we do have an evaluation process, uh, albeit not the best, but we do have an evaluation process. And uh, I still reaffirm my recommendation that we should recognize people based on their performance to do otherwise is a morale killer and contrary to anything I've ever read about HR practices. Commissioner Geller. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I want to make sure I understand this correctly. My, having spoken mm -hmm. with both of you on this, my understanding is that currently, we're, first of all, we're talking about the 15% that are unrepresented, that my understanding is that there currently are, I believe, three categories. You have fails or fails to meet or performs below expectations, meets expectations, and exceeds expectations. My further understanding is that what Miss, both of you agree that if someone is in the below expectations or fails to meet expectations, then they would not be receiving the raise and that the area of disagreement between the two of you is whether or not everybody that meets expectations should get the 3% or whether it's meets should get one percentage and exceeds should get some, should get a higher. Is, am I, have I correctly stated what the dispute is? Because if so, I have an opinion. So, so it's not a, I don't, on what you've just, you've just described is um, um, there's no dispute. The issue is at what point do we implement the going forward? Um, today uh, we have a process by which a manager who believes that someone has done something extraordinary, they would come and they would ask um, that um, an administrator's award be provided to that individual. And we do that maybe, you know, um, 50, 60 a year, not that many. Um, um, but what Evan is suggesting is that um, we should have a compensation that says if you are meet, you get this percentage. If you exceed, you get another percentage. And because we, have, we did not have that conversation with the 15% prior to, many of them, um, you, you have meet, some you have exceeds, but um, that's just something that, that I would uh, clearly have a conversation with them and we would, everybody would know what the lay of the land is um, at the at the time their evaluation is being done, and it's and for me it was prospective. We don't disagree on the merits of what is being asked. It's just the time frame of when it is in uh, when it's um, implemented. Okay. Madam Mayor, if I may continue. Yes. It, 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 understanding what you're saying now, then I know that again. And for example, as Senator Richards in Tallahassee, this whole issue of the additional merit pay has always been highly controversial. I assume it would not be different on the local level. I would prefer to see the uh, compensation for meet and exceed be at temporarily the same until we have a clear 
method of, of defining what is meet, what is exceeds. That's something that has been discussed. Even though this is for the unrepresented, I do think that uh, the collective bargaining units should at least have some ability to comment on that. And I would just feel more comfortable if you're going to be differentiating between meets expectations and exceeds expectations, that there is a carefully thought out plan in place that defines what it is, how you make these determinations, uh, which if there is such a plan in place, you, neither yes. of you have said that to us and, yet. and it, what the auditor also has asked is that um, prospectively, um, if if the board agrees, that we give you a date certain as to when that we would bring that back to you for consideration. And it would be our intent to do that next year before we start labor negotiations for the next contract because we want them to at least weigh in. If they want to participate, um, because it could be beneficial um, to their membership or not. So, um, which I don't disagree with, and I'm happy to provide you with the date. Just one point of clarification. Yes. There is an evaluation process. Employees are evaluated. Some aren't because of uh, lackluster performance by their superiors, but there's an evaluation process in the county. That, that's how we reach the does not meet, meets and exceeds. Uh, I presume that any manager who is supervising an employee is frank and honest about their performance, and those evaluations have some integrity. And that was my point. If you have an evaluation process where supervisors are meeting with employees, discussing their performance, giving them gradients of performance, why would their compensation not somehow follow that evaluation process? But it is, it is ultimately up to the board uh, but I would encourage if you if we change the position of the board on that on that past Tuesday, that we definitely put forward a uh, line in the sand relative to administration moving forward on this because uh, I'm reviewing some HR issues and I see other areas where pay for performance is not being addressed and we're awarding compensation without those matters. But you know, obviously it's a board matter. Um, I don't want to be the Grinch that stole Christmas for everybody, but it clearly is it clearly is a problem long-term for the organizational health of this, of this county to have recognized those people who are carrying the organization on their backs versus those employees who are barely getting by. And it's, it's, it's okay. troubling. I, I've heard the morale in the organization. It is a problem. So county auditor and county administrator, here's what I believe that is in order. I believe that an item should come back to this commission before this board for a um, discussion as to the outline that you have in, in place that you would like to implement and proceed with. And County Auditor, um, you would have the opportunity to discuss this further with um, County Administrator Henry, and that way we could have a productive conversation with all of the board members here, knowing exactly what's on the table, because I believe we are at a disadvantage in terms of making a decision about this today. Would that be fair? There is a problem with that because we would have uh, we would have agreed to resolve this in that fashion. However, I've been advised by the administration that, um, from a practical standpoint, they want to process the pay change this week. Miss Henry, be, can we hold off on processing the pay change and bring back an item? We can bring back an item next week. The practical, as he indicated, the indic 
we were moving forward so that employees would have that increase before Christmas. Um, because we have a lot of employees to process this pay this um, for, um, I'm, I'm advised that that would be problematic. In either case, we could do it and it'll be a Happy New Year's uh, gift to our employees. Okay. And so at this time, uh, if, we, if we miss, uh, Commissioner Rich was next. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll get you Commissioner Holness. I'm, I'm not clear. I just want to ask, do the employees know uh, on what they're being evaluated? I mean, from the conversation here, I, I don't know that. Do they know? I wouldn't want to do anything unless the unrepresented employees, you know, basically know, just like the, the labor employees know, the union employees know what, what they're so the employees it's being based on it is that ridiculous. clear here the what is not clear for those unrepresented employees is that we were going to determine whether or not they were going to receive the 3% which all of the union employees will get um, that they were going to get potentially get something less than um, that or I could, I mean, or we could actually do what would be considered the cost of living and those employees that um, have um, done exemplary work, we could, um, I, and I certainly can find that pot of money to do that, reward them for that. What they didn't know was that um, if they were evaluated as meet expectations, um, that it could affect what they their compensation would be. I think the answer is no. Then they really don't know. I mean, this hasn't been told to them. This is what you were being evaluated on, or how you're being evaluated. No, they know what they're being evaluated on. What they don't know is that if they if um, if they had a meet expectations, it could affect their compensation. Clearly, if they didn't meet, they know. If they meet or exceed what they don't know today, that the 3% that was authorized um, for some of them could be less if they um, did not have an exceed expectations. Okay. Commissioner Holness, followed by you, Yes, yeah, I, I think in, in, uh, on that meeting uh, previous, the discussion didn't get really uh, county audit, uh, auditor. I didn't understand it to mean what you're, what, what you're saying here, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I understand it uh, to, to, to be the perspective that the county administrator brought forth. So when we voted on that, that was basically where I was. I think it's prudent that when we go forward pr prospectively that we do what you're suggesting. That's it, Commissioner Yudin. I wasn't here when this was discussed, but it sounds to me like the difference between meet expectation and exceeds expectation wasn't properly spelled out. And even if it was, some of the supervisors didn't evaluate this last go-around based on that or may have even been a little lax in that. So I would support for this period going the way the county administrator had wanted to do it, keeping it the same. I'm ready to vote on it now and then bring something back for the future when we get to this same exact issue next year. This way it gets done in time for Christmas, the issue's over, and we can have a robust debate on it again in a few months. 
Okay, so do I have a second on that motion? There's, I don't, no, there's I don't, no need to vote because this item wasn't agended. agended. I think that you've provided a clarification. It, exactly. It wasn't sunshine. It wasn't noticed. So they, they got the clarification from the board. Okay, so the clarification is understood that it's prospective. Okay? okay. All righty. So with that being said, that concludes our business here. We are going to move on to room 430 for the workshop. Thank you.